I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres, such as slashers, creepy clowns, franchises, and director's bodies of work. And of course, we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers. So you finally got me to watch the Terrifier movies. Yeah, for the guy that uh, doesn't like torture porn, uh, these were fun, huh? (laughs) It's not that I don't like them, it's just, I don't know, gore doesn't bother me, but I don't have to have an insane amount of gore in the movies and all i ever heard about the terrifier films was the gore and the barf bags and all that and then i watched them they're actually excellent slasher films with a lot of substance they are with over-the-top gore yes one thing that would help is if it was like trauma level where it was like campy and goofy it's like realistic terrible gore i know (laughs) and that that's the crazy thing about these flicks is because they're so fucking goofy and then some of the gore scenes it's like i'm a gore hound and the way they're done is it's still stomach turning it's not over the top hilarious like hatchet because i'm going to make a lot of comparisons to that tonight (laughs) but uh please don't (laughs) it's like shit that like when is this gonna end it's cool you did a good job but i don't oh we're doing this now okay (laughs) yeah well, I was I was thinking because um, I saw quite a few interviews with the the director and writer Damien, and it made me think of like how do we top you know the I don't remember what scene it is from the original Paranormal Activity, right? And then the second movie it was the cabinet scene, and then when they made the third one, they're like, <laughs> how do we top the cabinet scene? And that's basically now we have to have like an absurd, really long, drawn out kill. And I think something that's really interesting from interviews with Damien is one of the things he said with the first flick was, I really like Dario Argento and American audiences don't get to see that kind of gore. So let's go with that kind of gore. (laughs) Gotcha. I didn't know he was into uh, like Italian horror, but I do have kind of a point of reference for that for the second film when I get to it. Sweet. And yes, I said second film. So I guess I should go ahead and what are we doing today, Josh? (laughs) Oh, shit, man. We're doing the whole fucking franchise. All two of them. Oh, yeah. This is episode 83 where we're covering Damien Leone's Terrifier franchise. And we're recording this on September 24th, 2023. And I would like to try and get it out in the next seven days so I can say it was the September episode. Because there is at least one October episode planned, maybe two. (laughs) And should go without saying, I'm recording at home. You're probably going to hear dogs and children in the background. I'll edit them out the best I can, but... Shit happens. And I'm having technical difficulties, so uh, if I just disappear, like, run with it. <laughs> I normally keep a running list of, like, horror news for things that stand out to me. Um, I don't have one this episode because I just don't think anything big popped up. It's almost Halloween time, right? So, like, everything and anything's going. A, a few things I'd, I'd like to just note. There's actually images from the Toxic Avenger movie out that you can Google now. I, I can't think of where they're at specifically. I bet Bloody Disgusting has them. But we have Elijah Wood and Kevin Bacon and Peter Dinklage, I think, in some of the photos I saw. Oh, sweet. I'd have to go out digging for them myself. There's a two-minute clip from the Fall of the House of Usher show that Mike Flanagan has coming out on Netflix here oh, in a couple yeah. weeks. And it feels more like a Flanagan haunting of blah, blah, blah than it does <laughs> like a retelling of Edgar Allan Poe or anything. So it, Good. it looks pretty cool. I'm excited. The trailer for the uh, Tom DeLonge flick has dropped. Yeah. I think I said that to you, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. You sent it and... uh I mean, we're, we're light on news today. Yeah, I'm talking. Um, <laughs> but it looks, 
I don't want to say it looks bad. It looks like the right kind of bad. Does that make any sense at all? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I'm going to see it in fucking theaters, man. <laughs> I'm going to hammer beers in theaters and watch it. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Check that out because it's like, oh, fucking Tom DeLong. <laughs> yeah. You guys should look up the trailer. It looked surprisingly entertaining. It's called Monsters of California, and it has a cool remix of uh, Blink-182 song playing in the background. Nope, and it's not politicians in California. It's like aliens and shit. So (laughs) he wrote it. I don't remember who's directing it, but yeah, that's the only part that scares me. Is like he wrote it, and the the co writer on it. It's the only thing they've ever written. So it's probably going to be shaky. But speaking of shaky movies, that's what we're doing tonight. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. nice and dicey. Oh, this was interesting. There's an official book coming out next month that's a deep dive into David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy, ah. which I might need to get before next month <laughs> if I can get it in time since, uh, surprise, surprise, that's what we're doing this Halloween. Yep, we're going to do that trilogy. We are, uh, we've are we got the timetable set. We expect this episode to be between 9 and 12 hours long. It's going to be a fucking hoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually attempting to do... Notes where I don't literally describe the color of somebody's hair <laughs> in every scene so that they're shorter and quicker, but we'll see. No promises, though. Well, right. <laughs> this episode's a test. <laughs> and I feel like I saw some other cool shit, but like I said, I didn't really notate anything because it's Halloween time and everything's Halloween related at this particular moment. So I guess we'll just move on from there. All right. Announcements. I kind of half said this, but next month you should get our normal October Halloween themed episode as well as something we haven't figured out what yet from Halloween Horror Nights. Yes, something. (laughs) And we're also going to start putting episodes on YouTube. Yeah. If I can figure out a way to make them slightly visually entertaining (laughs) so it's not a static image and not have to fight software because our episodes are too long. But I'm probably going to put up at least the last episode and this one going forward, I might go back and dump the old catalog, but it's a lot of work <laughs> to add graphics to them. But it's just another way to, to reach viewers. And when that happens, we'll list our uh, YouTube channel. I'll probably make a landing page on slicebyslice.com that you can go to YouTube or our podcast at that point. But just kind of keep your eyes and ears open for that. Yeah, yay. Updates and corrections. Javier Botet is the actor who played Dracula in Last Words of the Demeter and all of the other horror films that we mentioned, but I couldn't think of his name. But it was Doug Jones that was in Mimic and Pan's Labyrinth and all the other ones I mentioned. (laughs) Yeah, that was correct. (laughs) And one thing we went back and forth on, I don't remember how much of it made it into the episode, but I edited (laughs) it quite a bit. But uh, you were talking about blood when Brandon got shot. In the head, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watched that scene over and over again and I slowed it down and everything there's no blood but what you do see is sparks in the bullet ricochet okay so there is something that flies yeah up. yeah my brain just thought it was blood but yeah there's sparks that fly off his head because he's so badass that shit just went bink well in my defense we were watching it on the big screen which it's a dlp projector which does do some rainbowing if your eyes are moving <laughs> so that really could have been what would ha- what happened so to me it was red sparks i'm like no dog that's blood <laughs> um what we watched so i watched the boogeyman ah, the stephen king short story as did i it was okay it was okay Oh, dude, I thought it was great. I think 
David and I were not like in the right state of mind because we had a bunch of <laughs> technical difficulties to get the movie playing. So we were like an hour in before we got it playing. Oh, damn. And then we had to start it over. And then we had already like Mandela effect mixed up actors' faces <laughs> from the picture in the opening scene to thinking it was the dad, but not the patient that shows up at the house. Like we'd mix the guys up like oh, entirely. Dude. So we had to start the movie over. I had the exact same problem. We had this, the wife and I had to stop and have a, have a discussion about it. Like, wait, it's this picture and she's painting this and the dress is from here. What the fuck's going on? Right, right. No, that was great for a PG-13. I thought it was good for a PG-13 movie and I remembered liking it, but I also remember kind of feeling like it just wasn't anything there. But after I thought about it afterwards, I'm like, I really think I need to watch that again. Like not frustrated. Yeah. Because let's put it this way. He likes for me to get him to watch old horror movies he hasn't seen so we watched christine oh, okay and like neither one of us got into that <laughs> so i feel like i was in a slump at that point but just a bad night yeah but uh so you saw it too you liked it yeah yeah i was ready to hate it watch the trailer it was like <laughs> oh this is gonna be so ho-hum and uh by halfway through it i'm like this is different this is not different different but like this is i liked it i like the atmosphere i like the okay. idea of the 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 darkness um yeah, I dug it, surprisingly enough. I remember it having really good creepy scare scenes in it. Oh, yeah. I felt like they showed him too early and too much, but, I mean, that's for another conversation oh, for another day. I'm, I'm not going to spoil this, but that was part of my problem was, like, the look is so generic, and then when you get into the third act and find out that it's not what it seems... Yeah. I was going to use a Wes Craven quote, but I already have that later <laughs> on in the script, so uh, we'll save that for that. <laughs> Anyways, um, what else did I watch? I finished What We Do in the Shadows season five. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was. My favorite still Nandor trying to prove that he can fly to space. <laughs> <laughs> and him with the GoPro cameras. Fuck you, Gamble! <laughs> yes. And then he crashes down naked like the Terminator <laughs> on fire. It was great. Yes. It was a good season, though. I really liked it. Because we had been watching Damien's movies, I watched All Hallows Eve. Oh, good. It was okay. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> I'll agree with you on that. <laughs> I tried to start watching No One Will Save You on Hulu. It's like their new PG-13 horror alien movie. Okay. But I was cleaning while I was watching it, and I just couldn't get into it. But there was some like good, creepy, atmospheric things going on. And I was like, maybe I need to go back and watch this later. So I just stopped it. Okay. So I don't know if you guys have seen that one yet, but have it looked not. like it might be cool. I didn't know it was an alien movie until <laughs> I started it. Okay. And when it hit Close Encounters territory and I wasn't like expecting that, I think that kind of took me back. Gotcha. I've been watching the new Star Wars Ahsoka show, which is the best live action Star Wars made in my lifetime, I think. <laughs> okay. Of course, you know, I don't watch that stuff, but, and you know me, this is how I am. Even like some video channels that I follow that like their their bread and butter is to to shit on the the wokeism of Disney are even saying yeah. like could this save them? <laughs> like this it's, is actually good. <laughs> well, Dave Filoni is like one of the few people there that actually was trained by George Lucas and worked for him, and he's been in charge of the animation division as long as there's ah. been one. And it's his show. Like him and John Favreau make Mandalorian together, but John's the boss of okay. Mandalorian. This is Dave's show. He's wrote every episode, and it's using characters from his two cartoon series. And it's actually basically Star Wars Rebel Season 5, which is one of my favorite 
pieces of Star Wars. Like it was just okay. a really good character driven cartoon that started out super kiddie and then got really deep by the end. And now we're getting a continuing story. And he's, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say this is a spoiler because it's happening in like one other show already, but they have Hayden Christensen back as Anakin Skywalker in some of these shows. And oh, wow. he's like, you know, he basically quit acting because of people shitting on him for doing what George Lucas told him to do. <laughs> and he's actually getting to play like badass vader but that looks like anakin and stuff and like he's just the entire community like fucking is pumped about him and he's doing conventions and shit again it's pretty neat so oh, nice not a horror podcast but it, it's really cool that this came out of the cartoon guy basically <laughs> right uh so what'd you watch got a few more that we hadn't covered Finish twisted metal have you watched it yet Margie and I have watched half of it. Okay. I, I like it. I mean, it's not like I'm like, oh, I got to watch the next one. I got to watch the next one, you know, but I have watched at least half of them. Yeah. It's it's in the campy filler category. It's not like it's enjoyable. Cinema. Yeah. Yeah. And she never played the games and she's enjoying it. So that says something, you know, well, good. Um, the Pope's Exorcist with uh, Russell Crowe fighting around the world. Now he's fighting demons. This is me being me. I fell asleep, but what I remember watching was actually good. Um, <laughs> wow. Usually you use I fell asleep as a bad thing. <laughs> the wife finally watched the uh, OG Dawn of the Dead. She hadn't seen it before? No. We watched The Meg 2. That's going to be a hard pass, even if you like big fish monster movies like the first one. No. I was I was surprised that the first one was actually okay. The second one is so bad. I didn't watch it. We watched Indiana Jones and the Diaper of Dementia. What? And I say that as that a joke. That is not what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie. I liked it. I've seen it twice. The people that are ragging on it, it's not as bad as people that are ragging on it, like for the reasons that they're ragging on it, in my opinion, because I was ready to hate the movie. I have not even actually seen anybody say anything bad about it on the internet at all. Oh, no, no. People that are all pissed off about what's this girl boss fucking storyline. Why isn't Indiana Jones the main character? And I'm like, I didn't get that at all. No, he was the main character. Exactly. She's annoying at points, but she's not at the helm. There's always a girl character in every single one of them I with know. Indiana Jones there always that is. is yes. a co-star and bossy to him. And this one just happened to be his goddaughter, not his love yes. interest. 100%. I yeah. think people were going way overboard on that. But all in all, fun movie. There's people that are saying that uh, it's better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which that wasn't yeah. a very good movie. It just, it wasn't. I went back and watched it with Aiden recently because I got him to watch the original three movies with me to go see the new one in theaters. Yeah. And then he wanted to watch Crystal Skull. It's actually better than it was back then. Like going back and watching it now. Same. You know, like it, the camp is when, fine. When we decided, hey, we're going to watch the next one, we went back and watched Crystal Skull. And it's like, it's not that bad. And once you get to right. the, the ant scene is so fun. Um, yeah. Anyways, Saw Insidious, The Red Door. Really, really, really liked it until the third act. That's all, oh, okay. all I'm going to say for now. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's the first one that feels like the original too to me right like in the same vein yeah i was totally in did you check out the uh song of ghost playing and patrick wilson singing in the credits yeah yeah we let it play <laughs> <laughs> this is a documentary pennywise the story of it was it on amazon yeah it's streaming on something and i think it's amazon. i watched it a few months ago if it's the same one that's on Amazon Prime, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, and, and of course, it's about the the actual original miniseries. And what's really interesting is when it was going on, it said Fuzz on the Lens Productions. They actually have a hand in the fucking Terrifier movies. So oh, okay. we'll talk about that. Two more, real quick, I promise. Cobweb, um, have you seen that? No, I haven't. It's, it, it's another one. It, it's, in my opinion, it was really good until the third act. Okay. And the wife's been watching Sweet Home, the, the show, not the, the movie, which are totally unrelated. They just have the same name. 
I tried to get into it and I just I I I can't. Okay. But she she watched the first season. That's it. I mean, there's other crap that's not worth mentioning. But, uh, <laughs> that's that's what we've been watching. I watched the season premiere of the new season of American Horror Story earlier today. Oh no shit. Delicate. Yeah, and I didn't hate it. <laughs> Last season's the only season I haven't finished. There's been several seasons that I wanted to stop and I pushed through it and I ended up mostly enjoying them except for the end. It was interesting to see in the opening credits, this season's actually based off a novel written by someone else. Oh. So it might make it better. Because, <laughs> I mean, they've kind of gone off the rails recently, but I did forget to mention that. And even Kim Kardashian was in the first episode and she didn't get on my nerves. <laughs> like, I thought she was. They, Yeah, I mean, they picked like uh, something good for her to play. Right, like she's a pub. She's she's a publicist for like Hollywood people. Okay, and you know she could she played it fine, right? Like I was just kind of thinking she was gonna take me out of it alone, but like Cara Delevingne's in it this season, and it's starring Emma Roberts. She's always great on there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go. <laughs> but yeah, watch the first one. <laughs> well, I guess that's it for the housekeeping. And uh, Josh, this one was your idea. So why don't you uh, why don't you tell the listeners how we got here, bud? <laughs> so all the hate mail can come to me. <laughs> I'm going to get another drink before we start. So what you drinking there, guy? Um, so tonight it is not Kraken and Coke. It is Kraken and Wild Cherry Pepsi. I drank every beer Ooh. in my house at the neighbor's wedding yesterday. Oh, that was yesterday, wasn't it? <laughs> it okay. Was, it was a hoedown that turned into a hootenanny. <laughs> I, I had to go <laughs> <Jesus>. home. <laughs> I forgot you were worried about feeling up to recording today when we talked a couple weeks ago. Yep. I'm drinking my, my Halloween staple, the New Belgium... Voodoo Ranger Atomic Pumpkin that I like. That's got like a little bit of habanero in there. Oh, that shit's already out. Oh yeah, yeah. It's been I've been drinking it for a month. <laughs> it was a hard choice though because my father-in-law got me a whole case of Southern Tier Brewing Caramel Pumpkin Imperial Pumpkin Ale. And that shit's like ten percent. Oh, I'll give you a couple if you I was want. I to say I want to try that. You can drink two and you're good. <laughs> like it's just it's. You just drank two bottles of wine at that point. Go chill, you know. So that's that's my cocktail I'm enjoying for this terrific Terrifier episode. Well, here we go. Um, Terrifier 2018 was written, directed, edited, carpooled, catered, special makeup effects. All by I didn't know he did the catering, too. <laughs> all by Damien Leone. And that French-Canadian fucking name, the first time hearing him talk in an interview, and he's like, yeah, well, we shot this over here. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he has done uh the ninth circle the terrifier short all hallows eve of course these flicks there's another one frankenstein and the mummy or something like that Mummy, yeah frankenstein versus the mummy yep. yes okay we're gonna get into why he got into filmmaking and why these flicks are the way they are here shortly but let's go over this cast real quick we've got jenna cannell as tara and she's done stunt work. She's done acting. She's oh, yeah. done producing. More recently, she's been in Renfield and WandaVision. Okay. Yeah. Fuck Carol, I guess. I hate her too. Yeah. I was looking at her when I was watching the film and I'm like, I know her from somewhere. I know her from somewhere. And I pull her up on IMDb. And of course, since she's primarily a stunt actress, it was stunt work, stunt work, you know. And then it said Renfield, Carol. And then I pictured her with her head shaved and I'm like, fuck Carol, I guess. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> she rocks the Sinead Rebellion these days. Yeah. Um, we've also got Catherine Corcoran as Dawn, and 
she's been in a few things, but the ones that stuck out to me was uh, Kabuki Man's Cocktail Corner and uh, <laughs> Return to Newcomb High Volumes 1 and 2. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've got Samantha Scafidi as Victoria, who hasn't been in much, but she's all right in this flick. And most importantly, we've got David Howard Thornton as Art the Motherfucking yeah. Clown. We'll get into how he got into this later on in the actual film, though. Okay. So anyone who doesn't like Damien, blame his fucking mother. And I'm not saying that you should say she should have got a fucking abortion or anything. Yes, it's going to be one of those episodes. It's fucking terrifying. Sorry, guys. I didn't do this to you. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take all the blame. Um, Damien was legitimately named after Damien in The Omen. Oh, really? Yes. I saw him make a joke in an interview, but I didn't realize he was like, being serious? Yes. His mother went to the video store to verify that she had the correct spelling of the movie, not the traditional spelling of the fucking name. His mom was such a good mother that he sight seeing The Lost Boys, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, all at the age of four. So... There's a little insight into his mind. <laughs> so he's basically me, but like in New York. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. New York and New Jersey. There you go. So, of course, he grew up loving horror and he would go to the cons and stuff. And he eventually met Tom Savini. And at the same con that he met Tom Savini, he picked up a makeup kit, a bottle of blood and a pre-cut machete to set off to become a VFX makeup artist. That is awesome. And that's what he wanted to do. He didn't want to make movies. He just wanted to do makeup effects. And as we all know, that's like almost harder to get into than it is like making movies. Cause it's not like, Oh, will you go to makeup school? I mean, there's schools now, but it's not like there's not a path <laughs> that like spend money this direction to have a better chance. So fuck it. He's going to go to film school and he got the money together to start film school and took a introduction to film class class <laughs> where they explain like the basics and he kind of did the uh the kevin smith thing kevin smith stayed in film school longer but he was like fuck this i'm just gonna take the money that i've got and go make a short and that's what he did and he made the ninth circle and the ninth circle was the very first thing to actually feature art the clown yeah now it was played by somebody else i forget his name no slander against him or anything but uh the, the famous art the clown of course is played by david this, of course, then led to the Terrifier short film, Art the Clown being featured in a segment in All Hallows' Eve, and eventually Terrifier. So when Damien got ready to make it, given that it's, you know, modern time, he does an Indiegogo, and it fucking fails. Didn't reach its goal. <laughs> managed to get enough money, mainly from one producer, and I didn't note his fucking name. I feel like an asshole, but drummed up 35K, 35 fucking K <laughs> to make the first movie. Then it blew up a little bit more another 15k in post um because there's a lot of post work in this film that some of it when it got pointed out in the commentary blew my fucking mind of what cgi in this movie you're gonna have to tell me because i didn't see any <laughs> well his approach wanting to be a fucking makeup effects artist was practical with cgi touch-up we've talked about this before yeah that is the way to fucking do it this day and age yeah because there's just some shit you can't actually do properly practically anyways right so exactly and he shits on cgi blood likes to cite the walking dead's use of cgi blood as an example of how <laughs> shitty it looks and we agree or at least i know i do <laughs> <laughs> So this little indie film premieres at the Telluride Horror Film Showcase in 2016, and that's what led to it getting picked up by Dread Central and Epic Pictures, getting a limited theatrical release in 2018. 
I did not know it actually made it the first one. I didn't know it made it to theaters. I saw it on streaming and gotcha was blown the fuck away at how eighties it fucking felt. So that's why there was the branded barf bags when the second movie came out was because of people barfing in the theater watching the first one. (laughs) They had terrifying branded barf bags. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah. Hang on. I got to go to eBay real quick. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Damien said they gave them out kind of like as a gimmick because he's like, okay, they throw up the movie. Yeah, they always people always say that shit or whatever. But he's like, if they're going to say it, it's going to spread word of mouth from my movie. I'm just going to keep playing off of it. You know, (laughs) that fucking sounds like Damien. (laughs) Yeah, you can get they have Art the Clown on them and say Terrifier 2. And oh, that's like, I don't know how many of them are used, but that's actually. I mean, that's part of why I ended up not watching these movies because I never heard anything about them actually being good movies. It was always the gore and people getting sick. So I didn't really hear about the first Terrifier that much until the second one came out, and it was because of the barf bags (laughs) being shown on the internet. And I'm like, all right, whoever's doing this is just like a (laughs) douchebag. Like, I didn't even want to see it at that point. And then it turns out it was, like, not him that started it, really. You know, but anyways. So it is straight up an 80 slasher gore fest. Um, if you're a gore hound, you'll fucking love it. It's got, yeah. it's got times that it feels like trauma, but not full on trauma. The effects are too good. <laughs> <laughs> it twists the tropes. It breaks the rules. A lot of rules. A lot of people shit on it for the lack of a story, but at the same time watching it, you, you literally see Damien trying to figure out the character on film. Like, right. It's so obvious that he had kill scenes and then just tried to link them together. And I'm okay with that because the motherfucker got to make another movie, which we'll get yeah. into. But there's a lot of it that's just, it It really, really calls back to the 80s. There's an obvious love of the 80s. And the hardest thing about describing Art the Clown in a fucking podcast is he's pantomimes. He is a silent fucking right. clown. It is his creepy smile, the use of his eyes, his body yep. language. It's amazing. Something I touched on earlier, Damien said, I want Dario Argento level of gore in an American flick. And he's like, I ripped off this shot. I ripped off this scene. I ripped off this. <laughs> like he's, he's unapologetic about it, which is great. Another reason I love this fucking flick is Damien quoting Wes Craven. And when Wes Craven said, you know, show me something I haven't seen before. And his goal of showing people something that they haven't seen before. And that's what Damien went with for his original ideas. <laughs> yeah. Watching a little bit of the behind the scenes production, it really felt like five friends making a movie in the backyard. It's so obvious that everybody loved what they were doing. And it was a yeah. really tight knit, no holds barred, no studio. What, you know, the producer's here and loves the idea too. Speaking of the producer, who I can't remember the name of, Fuzz on the Lens production is a reason that it was so cheap to shoot. They literally loaned them lights, sound equipment, people. Okay. And that's part of why the movie actually was able to get made at the level it did with such a little budget. I'm going to get into some stuff that's kind of at the end stuff, but I, I really want to preface the, the shit with this because... To me, Art is an instant fucking icon. Yeah. He's more of an icon to me than Victor Crowley. Like, Victor Crowley is an amalgamation that's, like, obvious. But Art's like, let me take the—it's an amalgamation, too, but let me take this and package it in something fresh. So, to me, he's Freddy, Jason, Chucky, and Pennywise all in one. Yeah. Because he doesn't talk, but his body language is Freddy (laughs) Krueger. Yeah. His body language is Chucky. His— insanity is fucking Pennywise and Jason. And 
I just love it. The lack of talking is is like Jason also. You know, yes. he had to be vicious without talking. And uh, there's a bit of the shape in there. Yes. He teleports around and stalks people and shit like the shape. Like exactly. he's all of them put together. Yeah. He in a is. good way. Whereas, you know, we've, I'm not going to dwell on Hatchet here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like Hatchet is what it is. It's Hatchet. I don't, I enjoyed watching them, but I don't think there was anything like special about them, I guess is the only way I can word it. Not like I'm not shitting on the movies. I'm not saying they're bad. I know I make jokes all the time, but it's just like you could tell it was a guy that liked slasher movies and he just made one that had all the shit from all the movies he liked. Yes. Whereas this is another guy that really liked all the shit, but he really kind of put his own spin and did his own thing with it. Yes, he is he is trying to build a world, and that is my favorite thing between these two movies, is the world that's trying to be built and how open-ended it is right now. Funnily enough, my next line, yes, a lot of people will say these are torture porn flicks. They are not in the same vein as, like, hostile. It's just that the violence is that over the top. Yeah. It's that gratuitous, but it's not the comedic level of gratuitous, and that's what makes it so terrifying is you're watching yeah. something that's stomach turning while a fucking clown with its nasty ass blackened teeth is grinning ear to ear yeah. and staring at you wide eyed while he's doing these things. The gore is way worse than in hostile, but I'll classify hostile as torture porn and not these films. And to me, like the hostile movies are just like trying to show you like, look at all this fucked up body torture we're doing. This is great for no fucking reason other than being edgy. Whereas I feel like part of art's character development, oddly enough, to see some of the shit. Exactly. Which I'll really get into on the second movie. <laughs> <laughs> As alluded to, I love these flicks, and I love them in the way that I love Hatchet and Adam <laughs> Green. I really want to see Damien polish where the issues are, because there's a lot of fucking issues, and, <laughs> and make, make more movies. Yeah. But with that behind us, let's get into this fucking film. So we open with a TV interview on this, this little TV, little tube TV just sitting in the floor. It features Katie McGuire as Monica. She was in All Hallows oh. Eve. Okay. Yeah, and Jesse's like, oh, shit, that's why she looked familiar. <laughs> well, I watched All Hallows Eve, like, last night, right? And I watched your movie, like, a week or two ago. Okay. So, so like, it didn't really click. I just knew she looked familiar in All Hallows Eve. <laughs> yep. And uh, she is seen interviewing the sole survivor of the Miles County Massacre. Do you remember your initial reaction when you first saw your face? Yes. Would you like to share that with us? I wish I was dead. We all wished we were dead after we saw your face, too, sweetheart. <laughs> well, people like to say that she looks like Charla Nash, who had her face ripped off by Travis the Chimp. Well, that's because Damien based the makeup on Charla Nash after having her face ripped off by Travis the Chimp. Like, legit. That's what he was going for. Wait a minute. That really happened? That really happened. So, and nope, is that, like, going back to that? Yep, it wasn't on a fucking sitcom <laughs> but it, right right, right. But, it, yeah. but that's probably what jordan peele was going to i had no clue i yes, did not know that 100 percent. in the interview they uh mention her attacker art the clown and uh <laughs> we then see that there's a clown watching the interview on the small tv the authorities issued a statement claiming that his body disappeared from the county coroner's office the morning after the attack he's dead i saw it happen Art then goes into a full-blown Nightmare on Elm Street kidding up montage. It feels just like <laughs> the opening credits of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Damien did that because he wanted it to feel like the opening credits of Nightmare on Elm Street. 
I feel like I have that in my movie too. <laughs> What's cool as part of what we see is him actually building the Cat Nine Tails, which gets used in both movies. So that's fun. Like he will use anything as a weapon, but the only thing you see him come back to is that Cat Nine Tails. So I like that. And the syringe. <laughs> yes, and the syringe. <laughs> that's a staple. We then see Monica backstage sitting at a vanity mirror on the phone with somebody. And um, so this is post-interview. And she is fucking talking shit about the faceless woman. She's like, oh, man, I want to throw up. And da 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 It's like, she's being really fucking mean. And, um, and then she hears something behind her. She goes over to the clothes <laughs> rack. And she opens it. And there's nothing there. And then that faceless fucker fucking jumps out. Pounces on her, rips her face off, and we get one quick shot of her laying on the floor with her face ripped off and the eyeball kind of floating on top of everything else. The makeup work in these movies is unfucking believably phenomenal, especially yeah. in the second one. But it just looks cool. You see it long enough to go, what the fuck? Then it cuts back to faceless, not recently faceless, but a year ago faceless chick. <laughs> and she fucking giggles. Title card. Terrifier. Immediately, first time seeing this movie, it gets here, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I was like, what did Josh get me into? Is what I was thinking. <laughs> so we then head over to Tara and Dawn. They're walking down the street at night in costumes. Must be Halloween. Tara tells Dawn that she's too drunk to drive, and uh, she really doesn't feel like dying tonight. Foreshadowing. Damn, yeah. So uh, they decide to sober up with uh, pizza. And... While they're having this conversation, they spot Art because we, we see him walking with his his bag of goodies, his garbage bag that he carries all his toys in. You know there's shit in that bag, like literally. <laughs> they don't show up, but there's shit in there. <laughs> Is it his? Is it a dog? Is it a homeless meth head? I don't know, but he carries shit in that bag. He does. Dawn taunts him because she's like really hammered and she's like happy-go-lucky and she's like, hey, sexy. You know, she's like one of, she's that kind of drunk. We've been there. And, um. Tara's not down with this. She's like, uh-oh. And then, of course, Art disappears into the shadows, much like the shape. So we head off to a real pizza shop that was a last-minute on-location shoot, I think, in Jersey. A lot of this shit was shot Long Island and New Jersey. I mix up which ones Okay. Which. Every line in the pizza shop, they had to do ADR because they couldn't turn off the noisy-ass refrigerator while they were recording. <laughs> so the girls make it in. They sit down to have some, you know, shitty middle-of-the-night pizza. And who walks in? motherfucking Art the Clown with his bag of goodies. And he sits down across from him, and this is part of what's so hard to describe in this. He's just sitting staring at first, and you're doing the back and forth thing, you know, like Tara looking at him, him looking back, and he's just sitting there. That's creepy enough. Cuts to Tara, right. her creeped out face. Then it cuts back to Art, fucking wide-eyed and grinning ear to ear now, and then shit like that. It's so good. And uh, <laughs> by the time Dawn notices what's going on, because Tara's freaked the fuck out, Dawn's drunk ass taunts him some more, goes over to him, starts playing with his fucking hat and poking him and yeah. talking to him and shit, and sits in his fucking lap and takes a selfie. And this was actually one of the first things that uh, Damien wrote was the selfie shot, because he's like, hey, how's this? You know, it's, and I'm not making fun of the guy. Like, he sounds Brooklyn as fuck. That's why I'm saying this. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know. It's Jersey as fuck? <laughs> Both. It's an amalgamation, just like art. Um <laughs> But he's like, how's that? That's a little bit of social commentary about all this selfie bullshit. And I love that there's a callback to it later on, but we'll get there. <laughs> so uh, Dawn sits back down and Art goes over to the fucking gumball machine that's got like the little 25 cent prizes in it. And he mm -hmm. gets out a little toy ring and he goes over to Tar and he gives it to her like, like, 
I don't want to dig too much into his psyche, but it's like, I'll, I want to play. If you'll play back, everything will be fine. That's how I feel. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. After seeing the whole movie. If she would have acted like she was getting engaged right then, they would have been, we wouldn't have had a movie because they would have lived. Exactly. Dawn, Dawn's fucked though. <laughs> so anyways, after he gives her the ring, which she wears for a while, he goes into the back. And next thing we see is art being thrown out by Steve. There's two guys in the, in the pizza joint, Steve and Ramon. And, uh, <laughs> after, after Steve throws art out, he tells Ramon to grab a fucking mop and the girls bounce and they're talking about like, what do you think he did in there? And Dawn's like, Oh, he probably jerked off everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so they make it back to the car and they realize that a fucking tire is now flat. It doesn't matter if they're sober up. And of course, Tara asked Dawn, do you have a spare? And Dawn's like, it's on the car. <laughs> like, she's that kind of a chick. She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't think that far ahead. So uh, Tara is like, okay, well, I'll, I'll call my sister and see if she can come get us. And there's a quick shot in the pizza shot of Tara going through her phone, looking at pictures, and you see her phone die. I kind of left that out. So that's, her phone doesn't exist. Dawn's phone exists, though. For now. For now. <laughs> you have to get rid of the phones these days. You got to. Yep. So we go back over to the pizza place to see Art's mm, art. <laughs> it's shit it's shit there's art is shit <laughs> there's shit all over everything including <laughs> art spelling out art in shit on the wall and there's a lot of people that give this whole scene like so much shit <laughs> um like oh this is gratuitous <laughs> da, da 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 and uh i was listening to an interview with damien damien's like have you ever wondered what happens when a slasher takes a shit? Am I really? Is this out of line? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is this is where his brain goes. I think it just kind of lets you know what kind of crazy we're dealing with with this clown. Yes. Full-blown, I'll play with my own doo-doo just for fun. Now, in the back and forth of the, the pizza guys going back to the bathroom, you'll notice a jack-o'-lantern sitting on the counter. Did you notice the jack-o'-lantern sitting on the counter? No, but that probably means it was really good CGI then. Exactly. Because <laughs> it was added in post as a setup for what's okay. about to happen. And it's like, oh shit, we should have shot this and we didn't. Fuck it, I'll do it in post. <laughs> and Damien did. But anyways, <laughs> we cut back over to Tara and she calls her sister Victoria, asking her to come pick her up. She's like, I got finals tomorrow. I got to study. And like her dorm mate comes in to fuck. And she's like, all right, fuck it. There's no way I'm studying anyways. I'll come <laughs> rescue your ass. So Tara and Dawn get in the car to wait and uh tar's like you know do you think art slashed the tire like she's already like trying to put stuff together and dawn's just like right man i think i'm gonna fuck that guy that i met tonight like she's 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 unaware like that's that's the important part about dawn is that she's unaware so what i'm trying to get across here and there's so much back and forth here so meanwhile at the pizza shop <laughs> ramon then comes out from the bathroom and finds that the jack-o'-lantern has been replaced with steve's fucking head all yeah. carved up and fucking on fire. <laughs> and it's great. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> and Art pops up and he chops off Ramon's fingers first as he's going for the phone. And then he stabs the bejesus out of his face. I mean, like, <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> Back over the car. New problem for the girls. Tara has to pee. Maybe that guy has a bathroom that you can use. Who? That creepy guy. Who just got out of that even creepier looking building? Just pop a squat behind a dumpster. Come on. Well, see, and that's what's even joked about. She's like, I can't do that like you do, Dawn. Like, I need privacy. Anyways. <laughs> Fuck Carol, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> She's really got to piss, so she goes for it while Dawn waits in the car. And she goes in and introduces herself, tells the situation shit. And we learn that the creepy guy is an exterminator 
who will later find out his name, Mike. We don't know this yet. He's just exterminator. And uh, he's there for the rats. He lets her in and he's like, hey, you know, this is fucking nasty, but there you go. Can you find your own way out? We cut back over to Dawn, who's bored, pops on the radio just in time to hear a spot for Craven's Halloween Superstore. <laughs> Love <laughs> Didn't that catch touch. that. And then it's interrupted by breaking news that a clown just iced two pizza guys. Holy shit. Then an ambulance goes by. Holy shit. It must be on its way to the pizza shop. That shit actually happened while they were filming. Not the two guys murdered at the pizza shop, but the ambulance going by. That was not them. That just happened while they were filming. And they're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> it was New York, bro. That probably happens every two minutes. Exactly. <laughs> you just set up the camera and wait. And you get the ambulance. <laughs> So just then, Tara hops back in the car. No, wait, it's a blood-soaked art. <laughs> and there's a cut scene here because Dawn screams and it cuts away. There's a there's a deleted scene where she's screaming and it cuts back over to Art and he pantomimes screaming, waving his hands. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they would have kept it. It would have been fine. I've seen some deleted stuff. They were all good. We don't know exactly how fucked up Art is at this point, so I'll let it slide. Uh, so back inside the exterminator gets to work while, uh, Tara gets distracted by the sound of a cat. I don't know why she just didn't leave after taking a pee, but whatever. So the cat sounds lead her to the crazy cat lady. And, uh, mm. she's holding this doll that she thinks is her baby. I think Emma is what she keeps calling it or Emily, something like that. Tara's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. And she bounces and runs directly into art. Yep. The building's weird. Cause it's like. Part of it's a mechanic shop and part of it's an old building. Like it, it, it it's kind of confusing. It's got two different basements and like boarded up doors. It, it's a lot. And according to Damien, like all that's real. They just shot that there. They didn't do much set dressing. Like they just went for it. It seemed to have every disgusting thing they needed. Was it Kevin's aunt and uncle's house again? Yes. There we go. <laughs> Minus the paint cans. So they're, they're in this area where there's all these cars and they cat and mouse a little bit. And we even get like Freddy Krueger sounding fucking claws on the car and shit as art goes by. Yeah. And uh, the most interesting thing to me is you will hear this piano part that plays that makes you think you're watching Halloween. Like this shit sounds like it was straight up stolen from John Carpenter. So art eventually gets close enough to stab tar in the leg, but she gets away and uh, she heads for the front door and it's been chained shut. Fuck. Art pounces again and jabs her in the neck with a needle. And this is one of those shots. The blood running down her neck is fucking CGI. And it looks huh. so good. And what Damien did was filmed real stage blood running down something at the same angle, lit it in the computer, and then composited it. Okay, that's how you do CGI blood then. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we know Dawn's dead or captured at this point. We Definitely no Taurus captured because you don't inject something into somebody's neck just to kill them. That, that's not what this guy would do. Oh, he would do it with like bleach and sulfuric acid. <laughs> but for now, we're going to hit the first scene that made me and all the gore hounds love this flick. So Tara awakens bound, gagged and looking at a hanging drop cloth in front of her. She then notices that Art the Clown is on the ground next to her, ruffling through his bag of goodies. Can we just call it shit? It's shit, Josh. <laughs> he pulls out this little hammer, and uh, he taunts her with it. And he's like, oh, no, 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 that's not good enough. And he comes back with a hacksaw, and he acts like he's going to chop her head off. But uh, no, this is just to get her attention. He's Freddy Kruegering right now. He's he's getting her there like, like this is foreplay for him. <laughs> so he then turns around 
and he rips down the drop cloth. And before we get to it, guys, if you pay attention on the right-hand side of the frame, part of the fucking ceiling falls when he does this. <laughs> Damien's like... <laughs> I didn't notice that. Damien's like, this is how shitty this building was. That's not a prop. That really happened when we did that. Looks great, doesn't it? <laughs> but what we see revealed behind this fucking drop cloth, it reveals an upside-down, nearly nude, spread-eagle dawn. Before we go through the rest of this, so she's she's upside down, she's she's naked, she's only got undies on, and her mouth's taped shut, she's screaming. And Jenna actually refused to be untied between takes in this scene. She's like, huh. I'm bound and gagged in a chair, I need to feel helpless, I need to feel tired, I need to be freaked the fuck out. Kudos to her. What's even more fucked up is that wasn't shot in the same fucking city as Catherine hung upside <laughs> down. All of Jenna's reactions and what's about to happen is just her looking off into the darkness. She was never in the same room. Fucking kudos. Anyways. That's awesome. So uh, Art, being Art, hacksaw in hand, rips Dawn's underwears off and bifurcates her fucking crotch to skull. Yeah. Every shot of him going to town on her, like the butt shot and when he's down in her chest with the saw, that's still her. That's all huh. makeup. Yeah, we don't get to the the body mold until she's literally the wide shot of her split into. Jeez. Fucking awesome. Now, her life cast that she had to do for this. <laughs> <laughs> she hadn't done one before. And they're like, here's a release agent. You know, go in the other room because we got to do your whole body. You know, go slather it on you and then come back. And she comes back out and Damien's like, she literally had globs of it on her. Like, like no, no, uh-huh. no, no, no. We can't do that. That's all going to show up in, in, in the mold. Like, it's got to be, it's got to be thinner. It's got to be thinner and smoother. So she went and redid it. And when they went to take her out of the life cast, they realized that she didn't use enough of the release agent. And they were ripping her fucking hair out, like off of her arms Ooh. and stuff like that. Like, it was not a good time. And she was like, this is what the movie needs. I'm totally fucking down for it. This brings me back to the Wes Craven thing. I can honestly say I've never seen a kill like this or anything close to it. And and it's not even like the wide shots of her, like you can see her boobs and stuff. It doesn't feel like gratuitous nudity. It feels like vulnerability. Like you've got the vulnerability of Dawn and the helplessness of Tara as she's watching. That's what I get out of this. Then to top it off, I get a kill that I didn't see coming. Like totally <laughs> did not fucking see coming. So um, Tara's like, Oh, fuck. And she manages to break free from the chair and pretty quickly stabs Art in his back and she bolts and she ends up grabbing this two by four and she's like, fuck this shit. I'm fighting back. And she starts beating the shit out of Art with the two by four. Fuck yeah, we've got our final girl making moves and shit. And uh, she's got him beat down on the ground and she's like making a mistake and not continuing to beat him and like yelling at him to get up. Like she, she wants to fucking right. face him, you know, toe to toe and beat his ass. And, uh, he shoots her in the leg. <laughs> yes. I just said that this slasher just pulled a gun from his ankle holster <laughs> and shot her. <laughs> I honestly really like and appreciate that art uses a gun when he has to, cause he's the only slasher that does it. Like, yes, scream right ghost face like at the end when the guns come out they have guns right yes but like it's not a normal tool and i would probably normally get like irritated if there's a slasher movie he's running around shooting people except for art because like when it goes too far he's like fuck it i got an ankle cannon you know dude i'm so glad you appreciate it i was terrified that this was going to be the part that you're like fuck it they've broke too many rules like i can't have it <laughs> no because it works right? it like, does man it's like- it even bites him in the ass later yes so um the first shot he shoots her in the stomach 
And uh, no, he shoots her in the leg. Then he shoots her in the stomach. Then he shoots her in the fucking face. And it's cold. Like we've went from fun <laughs> to fucking like depressing. Right. There's a lot of depressing in these. Yes. <laughs> Damien was cool enough to have David shoot the prop gun towards his face first before having Jenna do it. Like, hey, look, this is safe. Like the director actually being involved, keeping his crew cool. So I got to respect that. You still should technically just try to always do the shot where you never actually shoot the gun towards a person. I agree 100%. that's what's crazy to me uh you know when that whole rust thing happened i think it's the name of the the alec baldwin movie but when that you know horrific tragedy happened everybody started referencing the john wick movies right and how they don't ever have these kind of mistakes and then you know you find out that the gunshots are 100 percent cgi in all john wick movies yep and this is a movie written and directed and ran by a stunt coordinator exactly and he wanted these close-up gunshots, so they CGI the the muzzle flash, the smoke, the slide kick, and the bullet ejecting. <laughs> yep. It's all CGI. Every gunshot in the movies because he didn't want a gun pointed at anybody when it went off. Yep. It's crazy. But I think I texted you this the other day. I found out that the, I can't think of his name right now, but the guy that wrote and directed the John Wick movies was Brandon Lee's stunt double in The Crow. Yes, and is who played him for the rest of the movie. You know, and they they like. Uh, however they did the face back then, whatever, however they composited it. Yeah. Uh, it was him. So, I mean, he's witnessed firsthand what happens when you point a gun at a person with a blank and something goes wrong. Yep. And you, yeah, you just told me that that was the same guy. And I agree. And we're not going off on too much of a tangent here, but ev- my personal opinion, everyone involved with the chain of custody of the fucking firearm on the set of rust should be in fucking jail. That's my Even opinion. if you, you follow all the rules to a T and you know it's safe, you can still have something blow out of the barrel when the blank goes off. Like, that's always a, a, a thing, you know? I'd be 100% with you, except for they were actually playing with the gun in between takes and shooting. Oh, no, no. Yeah, shit. yeah. This was completely fucked up. I was just saying in general, anywhere... Like anything could accidentally get in the barrel and the blank is going to launch it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's still an explosion. Yeah, that's all I was saying. I don't know. It's just fucking crazy that people still do that. And I'm not trying to shit on Damien here, but it's like he really shouldn't have done that either. <laughs> no, we've, we've joked about it on the podcast before that I am a firearms enthusiast and I am also a fucking safety Nazi. Like, you only get one chance. So back from the real world depressing gun violence, let's get back to the, um, what to Tara is real world gun violence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tara's looking pretty fucking pitiful. She's been shot three times, including in the face, but it's like through the cheek. Like, poor girl's still alive. And then Art realizes he's empty. So he goes over to his bag of goodies for a reload. And uh, while he's over at the bag of goodies, which is where Dawn's phone is, Dawn's phone rings. And it's Victoria. She's made it there, and she's at the front door. When nobody answers Dawn's phone, she follows it up with a fucking text message. And Art texts her back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tara feels sick. She's around back. (laughs) (laughs) Which her sister's not, like, shocked by this at all. No. So Victoria starts heading to the back of the building. Art then heads back over to Tara, but he stops by what's left of Dawn. He's like, oh, yeah, I got her phone and takes a fucking selfie. And it's over the top. It's grotesque. (laughs) It's demeaning. It's humiliating. And I love every bit of it because it's funny to Art and it's social commentary at the same time. It's not demeaning to women. It is just art and commentary. Like, it's it's okay. Like, and if I can hate Mel Ford, I don't fucking care. She forced a selfie on him. He forced a selfie on her. Exactly. 
Now, she didn't cut him in half starting at his crotch, but, you know, he's fucking insane. True. So after the selfie, Art goes over to Tara and just mag dumps into her face. And it's real brief. It looks good. It's in profile only, but it's like, it's it's so dehumanizing just because of how Art is in that moment. And yeah. we then see that crazy cat lady from earlier has been in the shadows watching all this shit goes down. And Art just smiles and creepily waves at her. And it's it's weird. And that's the thing that makes David so good as Art is he takes you from these moments of stomach churning, dehumanizing, gut-wrenching shit. And then he's goofy yeah. with the horn and the smile. But it doesn't yeah. feel over the top. Like, I, he's so sadistic. Yeah. I have some extra information on his acting and training and stuff later that I don't know if you know or even will get some of the references, but I, I think like it really will explain a lot Okay, when we get to the second movie. Anyways, so of course, after being waved at by Art and saying all this bullshit, Crazy Cat Lady takes off and uh, she runs into Exterminator Mike and she's like, oh my God, there's this horrible killer. He's done this, that, and the other. And he's like, you're a fucking Crazy Cat Lady. Like, get away from me. He's not really buying her story. And of course, Art pops up and bashes him in the head with a hammer. That's just what Art does. He just appears. Yeah. He's in that regard, he's like the shape. He just appears. I was gonna say, that's, that's the shape right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Mike has made it far enough along dialing on his phone, thinking that maybe he should at least have some backup to call someone. It's his exterminator partner. But Art bashes the phone with the same hammer that he used to bash Mike. Over to Crazy Cat Lady, like, where's she going? What's she doing now? Because this is all fucking disjointed and not tied together and not a good story. And and I give it no passes for any of that. I'm just saying, we just jump around weirdly. Yeah. There's some weird pacing type shit with this movie. Yes. And there's there's a good bit of it in All Hallows Eve as well. Oh, yeah. So you can tell, like, he's getting better as he goes. That's the know? fun part. It's like watching a... <laughs> this sounds so terrible. It's like watching a, a disgusting mutant alien ghost be born. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have a different direction. I think I'm going to go on this topic when, when we get to part two, but that's an interesting take you got on it there. So speaking of births, cat lady notices that her baby's missing <laughs> her doll that she's calling her baby. And she goes down this tunnel and she finds art cradling the fucking baby. Is there kindness in you? Somewhere in your heart? Have you ever felt a mother's touch? So Crazy Cat Lady then embraces Art as he sucks his thumb. And I'm like, mm, what mm. the fuck is this dude's damage? Like, are we teetering on learning his backstory? Guess what? Spoiler. We're fucking not. Um, <laughs> no. But it makes you feel like you're about to. <laughs> So we then cut to Mike's partner arriving, and I really wish I knew his name. In the credits, he's exterminator number two. So I'm going to call yeah. him that or Mike's partner. And there's no hard cut to third act. So let's just say right around here is third act. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because third act is usually like when your your hero has lost all hope, right? Yeah. And they have to like make a stand. But that probably happened when... Tara got cut in half and it's like way early in the movie. I guess that, that's probably one of those things that comes to like no formal training from film school. He just knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you get like some weird structure and pacing issues sometimes. <laughs> so uh, Mike's partner is trying to get in while we see that Victoria has found a way in. 
So we're following her along inside and shit. She's walking around. She calls Dawn's phone and, and she can hear it ringing like in the room and shit. She follows the sound and she finds what's left of Dawn. And then she <laughs> hears screams and she follows the screams and finds what she thinks is an injured Tara. But we know at best it must be fucking Cat Lady. Then Cat Lady pops up in the background, scalped. And it's like, what the fuck person is this that Victoria is trying to pick up off the ground? Right. And it's fucking art. And he's wearing Cat Lady's scalp and her boobs. Yes. And nothing else. It's not else. just the boobs. He's got like a skin shirt he made. He does. Um, but he's still got his makeup and a cocksock. <laughs> there was a whole conversation during production when Damien said, do you have a cocksock? And David's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and he came to set with a stark white tube sock to put his junk in. <laughs> <laughs> and Damien's like, you don't have any black socks. <laughs> That's so funny. Every like behind the scenes shot I saw, David has holes in his socks too. And they're like, you can't afford socks that don't have holes in them. I don't, you just made me think of that with the socks, man. Uh, um, <laughs> so anyways, this is a really fucked up scene. <laughs> That's the first scene that I like had to stop the movie and like rewind <laughs> What the fuck did I just see with the suit? I, it might be like just passes. It's whatever he takes it off. Well, I mean, he, like get, when he takes the skin suit off. I'm like, what just happened? And I had to rewind it. Well, it's fucked up because he stands up and he's like twirling his hair and shit. He's like, oh, oh yeah. I'm a lady now. Like it's, oh, David's so good, man. He is so <laughs> good. So Victoria bolts and hides in this cabinet. And uh, she keeps looking out of this hole in the cabinet. And like art comes over and he's looking at her and it's like, I know you're there. <laughs> and she's like, oh, fuck, he knows I'm here. And then he walks away. <laughs> like, it's such a good little moment. But uh, Mike's partner goes back to his truck, and lays on his horn like, Mike, where the fuck are you? I can't get in the building. You're right. not answering your phone. And this sound causes art to bolt. Mike's partner, exterminator number two, then finds a spare key <laughs> under the doormat because why the fuck not? And he heads inside. <laughs> the script called for it, Josh. That's why. <laughs> Art gets the drop on him almost immediately, stabs him in the head and continues to hold on to the knife, screwdriver, whatever it is. I don't know. While well, he pulls out this big ass knife and slowly fucking saws his head off and yeah. then kicks it across the room and it hits something. That makes like a, a ringing sound. <laughs> this is the part where I want to tell David's audition. It's on YouTube. All Damien told him was, I want you to gleefully decapitate someone. And it's, it, it's a little over the top. It's a theater level in his expression. Okay. And you could tell that Damien toned him down a little bit once they were filming, but, uh, he does it and he's like totally into it. And there's nobody there. He's just acting like he's decapitating someone slowly with a knife and he stops and he tastes the blood. And then he acts like he's pulling out a salt shaker <laughs> and puts it on the stump and then goes back to tasting it and shot, nods his head like, oh, that's better. And that was the moment when Damien said, you're my new art. <laughs> like, okay, that is perfect. I didn't want to dig too much since this was like your episode, you know, but I was curious if they were like lifelong friends or not. So David was just an actor he hired. Yes. 
Okay, it wasn't his Bruce Campbell. No, no, no. Me. So the original guy, which we'll put this in the next episode because I feel like an asshole for not noting his name. Damien wanted the guy that played Art in the shorts and in All Hallows Eve to do it. Okay. And he called him and he's like, look, I don't mean this in a mean way. I really want Art to be like spindly and, and like super thin for the shit that I need him to do. I want you to play him. Do you have any problem with, you know, you know, working out, I'll come work out with you. We'll, we'll, we'll be gym buddies and we'll go make a movie together. And other dudes reply was not fuck you. You calling me fat. He's like, I don't want to act. This isn't for me. If you're doing like a movie movie, that's too much for me. Right. And that's what sent him down the road of having to audition for what ended up being okay. David, which is fucking phenomenal. It's a different clown altogether. Like, yes, yes. he is bigger. Right. But he just has like angry serial killer face. Yes. And it's a good angry serial killer face. Well, it's like the original guy seems uh, uh, vicious, but David yeah. seems maniacal. Right, right, right. I'm going to get into this more in mind, but David's idol and dream job is to play the Joker. Oh. Yeah. And he's actually played the Joker in some stuff. So he really likes the Joker. He has a shirt that he has made. I don't know if he had it made for himself, but he has a shirt that he wears, and it's uh, one of the most famous comic book covers of all time is Killing Joke with Joker and yeah. the camera. It's Art the Clown, Killing Joke. <laughs> like, he wears it to cons. I saw it in multiple, like, interviews and shit, and I'm like, I, n- I need one of those shirts. Okay. Like, I never thought I needed a Terrifier shirt, but I need the Killing Joke shirt. Oh. Um, but he loves Joker, and he plays already Joker to me. Okay. This all jives. Because <laughs> I think Damon kind of lets David do his thing. Yes. You're going to do this in the scene, but do it the David way. Yep. <laughs> right? Like, that's about how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Anyway, sorry for the tirade, guys. Oh, no worries. And and I know so much about these films that when we get to the second one, I'll probably end up interrupting you. So forgive me in advance. <laughs> oh, man. History is in the eye of the writer. So when I edit this shit, I can fix it six ways from Sunday. So uh, I haven't done a proper one this episode, guys. <clears throat> So we just left off with uh, Art kicked dude's head across the room and something made a ringing sound. Meanwhile, Victoria tries <laughs> to sneak away because she's been in this fucking cabinet. And of course, she runs right into Art on a pocket bike with a bell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you, you don't see this, but you have to imagine what just happened. So Art kicked dude's fucking head. It hits something that made a ringing sound, and he's like, what's that? And he goes over there and sees that it's a pocket bike with a little ka-ching, ka-ching fucking bell on it, and he just starts (laughs) riding the fucker around. (laughs) Right. He falls over, right? He does, and that was legit. (laughs) Yeah, I saw an interview. Like People were like, why don't you release a bunch of deleted scenes? from these movies and he's like it's, it's because i fucking kept them in the movie that's why I, like that's where i saw mentioned um this middle finger shot yeah. like that comes up in one of the movies and and the and he's like when david fell over on the fucking bike it's because he's an idiot he fell over on the fucking bike and i kept it it's <laughs> <That's> so good <laughs> and uh after art wipes out he goes after victoria and uh, he attempts to suffocate her with a plastic sheet around her head. And uh, she pokes a hole in her fucking mouth and rips it off. It is right. so refreshing to see this instead of somebody just panicking and flailing their arms. At this moment, I'm like, we've got our new final girl. No. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> I right? guess in a way. I, I guess in a way we do. But yeah. But uh, in all the chaos with the suffocation and everything, she finds this spike in the floor and she ends up stabbing uh, 
Art in the foot, and this is this is the scene. This is the shot. She runs off after she stabs him, and he flips her the bird. And this was David fucking about after cut was called, and that's why it's only from head on because there was only one camera still rolling when he did it. And that's yeah. what Damien talked about. He was editing, and he got to it, and he was like, "Fuck, I like you said, I would never have written this, and I wish I had more coverage on it." <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so art. You can see that's when David's figuring out art. It's it, it's so cool. Yeah. So we then cut back over to Mike, who got bashed in the head with a hammer. He's still alive. And we see that Victoria sees that Tara's still dead. Because what's left <laughs> of her is now tied to this chair with this lit up circus sign. It's really fucked up. It's depressing because all she was doing was going and picking up her drunk sister and her friend. And this is what she's found. Right. Fucking horrible. So then Art goes to town on her with his cat of nine tails. And his cat of nine tails is like fucking razor blades and scalpels and little gears. Like it, it's it's not you know glass and rocks like your traditional homemade <laughs> cat of nine tails. It's it's to the nth degree. It's a little different than the second one, but I actually paused it at a certain shot so I could see what was in it. Oh, sweet! <laughs> so while all this insanity is going on, Mike pops up and knocks Art the fuck out. He calls nine one one. But Art pops right back up and fucking stomps Mike's face into a puddle. Yeah. But Victoria makes it out while this is going on. And then she goes back through the two chain doors. Because she's already gone out of one basement into another basement. This is like the fucking Overlook Hotel. I don't understand the layout (laughs) of this fucking building. (laughs) That happens with the Terrifier ride a little bit in the second one. But at any rate, she ends up going in between these two chain doors and Art would fit through there. He'd fit through there just fine because she fit through there. He's a skinny motherfucker. But instead, he just sticks a horn through there and it's just like. Yeah, yeah. It's actually one of my favorite scenes in the whole fucking movie. It's Art being Art. And on the commentary, David asked Damien, he's like, where was Art carrying that? And he's like, in his ass. And Damien's like, well. He's got a holster on his right ankle that has a gun. Maybe there's a holster on his left ankle that holds a horn. <laughs> Why did that much thought have to go into it? Is there not pockets in his fucking clown pants? Well, we all know that cheap party city shit does not have pockets. <laughs> By the way, they only used two costumes for this entire film. Damien was asked, how the fuck did they clean it? And he said, I don't know. I gave it to my sister bloody and it came back clean. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate. The reason Art doesn't follow her through the fucking door is because he hops in Exterminator Number Two's truck and plows through the doors and plows into fucking Victoria. We then hear some sirens in the distance because Mike managed to call the cops, and we now know they're on their way. And they rush in, and they draw down on Art as he starts to eat Victoria. Last warning! You're gonna get shot! Art whips out his trusty 1911 and blows the ca- his own brains out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not expected. Never even points it at the cops. <laughs> I expect them to point at the cops and get lit up like Michael Myers Halloween 4 style. Yes. So he just obliterated by the police. No, 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 no. He just did it himself. So holy shit, Art's gone. And uh, one cop calls yeah. it in on the radio while the other cop notices that Victoria is still alive. Mm-hmm. If you want to call that living. <laughs> we cut to Art and uh, Mike's dead body is being dropped off at the coroner's office. And there's this whole back and forth where he's like, hey, get me a donut, da, 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 da. And they're like, how can you eat? And like, he says something about a baby in a microwave. Like, to me, that's like, yeah. if you're going to cut something from the movie, cut that. I didn't need that. <laughs> Just saying. 
Oh. I thought it was kind of interesting. Like, why does he have to be eating 100%? But his explanation, he's like, once you've had to do an autopsy on a baby that was found in a microwave, like nothing bothers you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, that part was like a good line, but why did he have to be eating in the first place? <laughs> he goes to take a look at Mike first, and he looks at him, and he's like, uh-uh. <laughs> And uh, he goes over and unzips Art, who's fucking staring straight at him, grinning ear to ear. The lights start to flash. The fucking phone rings. The radio starts going off like, here's your sign. Art is definitely supernatural. Yeah. And Art springs to life and starts to choke the fucking coroner. We fade from there to a hospital. One year later, we see a woman being we see a woman being released to her parents. And it's fucking Victoria. The doc tells her good luck with her interview tomorrow and pop spins her around in her wheelchair and she's fucking no face from the opening of the damn movie. Mm -hmm. Horns honk. There's flashes of art and credits. Yep. And at the end of the credits, we'll get in memory of Wes Craven, Toby Hooper and George Romero. Oh, I hate that. I missed that. Yeah. That's awesome. It's at the very end. I love that we round Robin back to the beginning of the movie, which lets us know that us seeing art at the beginning of the movie is actually has to be the beginning of the next movie. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of weird. Yeah. It's fun though, that it did something at the end to let you know, there's been a twist. You're set up wanting a sequel. What in the fuck is this guy's backstory? What is he? Where did he come from? What's his damage? Why did the the mama in the fucking tunnel thing affect him so much so that he sucked his thumb? From interviews and shit with Damien, he doesn't fucking know. He really <laughs> doesn't. He left it ambiguous. The second movie, he knew a point he wanted to make, and he made yeah. that point. How the fuck this all gets bridged, I don't know. We'll talk about that right. at the end of the episode. But... um. Uh, I loved it. I loved how different it was. I love that it broke the rules. Art's fucking creepy. Clowns are always creepy, but he's fucking creepy to the nth degree. Creepiest thing I've seen since Pennywise. <laughs> like, in all seriousness. Like, I was shocked. I was shocked that I didn't know about the movie. The wife had to show it to me when it was streaming. And I'm okay with the gratuitous gore. I don't think it's done for the I don't know what else to do shock value. I think it's right. done for the what little bit of story there is shock value one of the things i hate about that kind of gore is like under all of that gore is actually a a pretty well-made movie yeah an interesting film but it's one of them that i can't show the majority of people that i like to show new movies to oh yeah because it'll just gross them out yeah but with all that being said like I actually really enjoyed the movie a lot more than i thought i was going to sweet and and as a slasher guy, I got a great slasher out of it and I admired Damien like after seeing it and, and <laughs> seeing what all he did on that film, which is everything, you know? And uh, I don't know, like I was really glad we, we did it. I was actually dreading it. Well, I'll get into the rest of it when I get to my movie. Well, something coming off of this was, you know, it, there's such a setup for where do we go? Where do we get answers? And uh, there's a sequel and the sequel doesn't answer a goddamn thing. <laughs> it did come out in 2022 as Terrifier 2. All right. So Terrifier 2, written and directed by <laughs> Damien Leone. 
Hey, I think he edited it too. Yeah, yeah I, he's on here, I think. Somewhere in there, it's in my notes. But yeah, All Hallows <laughs> Eve and Frankenstein versus The Mummy, I think were his only nine shorts before these films. Yeah. If I'm correct on that. I saw in an interview, he said that he was inspired by Tom Savini early on. Yeah. Which is what, what Josh pointed out. But his main inspiration of a director is Martin Scorsese. Oh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loves everything Scorsese does, and he tries to replicate it the best he can with Tom Savini effects. <laughs> I was going to say, what was that Scorsese movie where somebody wrote with shit on a wall? <laughs> <laughs> That's the writing, not the directing. <laughs> See, you're crossing it over. Oh, okay, okay. These are his director influences, so... <laughs> The cast, I'll only put three people on here because there's only three main characters. There's other great actors and actresses in this film, but I just want to focus on these. David Howard Thornton as art. This isn't like the shape. We don't change different stunt actors every time. <laughs> and he actually did a lot of voiceover work for video games, and he's done quite a few audio dramas, including playing the Joker on a YouTube series. Oh. Okay. His dream job is actually to play the Joker, and to do it right, because he said the Hollywood version of the Joker is shit. <laughs> Even when they made him rated R, he's talking about the Joaquin Phoenix movie there, it's shit. So he wants to play the Joker live action in a movie and do it right. Okay. He is primarily a stage actor, which you, you kind of get that a bit, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like he played the Grinch a lot in the Grinch musical. Okay. Which is funny, because you remember how after Blood and Honey came out, I think I said it on one of our episodes, there was a Grinch as a slasher movie coming out? Yeah. He's the Grinch in it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to watch it now. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'll see it now. It's called The Mean One, you know, because you're a mean one, Mr. Mr. Grinch. Grinch. Right? Yeah. So we're, we're going to have to check that one out. He was an understudy and best friends with Stefan Coral, who played Robbie Rotten on Lazy Town. Do you know who I'm talking about and what I'm talking about? I don't know what any of that is. Oh, my God. We actually talked about this on a really old episode several seasons ago. Okay. But there's this, like, Saturday morning live action-ish show. I mean, it had actors in it, but the it did have weird animation and stuff as well. Thing that would come on on, on the weekends, and it was Canadian-made, I think. And there's, like, a little girl, and the bad guy had, like, this weird... Max Headroom plastic face, and his name was Robbie Rotten, and, you know, it was trying to get kids active and shit, right? Okay. Well, Stefan Carl, who's in, like, a band and shit, he did so much charity work, and he was a real big stage actor, and he had a bad bout with cancer and died a couple years ago. Oh, shit. But, like, he's primarily famous for playing this character on the Saturday morning kids TV show that's trying to get kids to eat vegetables and go exercise, right? Okay. David would call... Stefan from the set before shooting scenes and he's like okay I have to do this like what should I do <laughs> to get Stefan's like like how would Robbie Rotten have done this kind of thing right like for influence and shit and I was like you man, should rip I, her like, panties off that. before you start sawing her <laughs> no, no, no no I I'm talking about like I think that's where he got the goofy faces and smiles yeah, yeah. and the waves because this guy's character there's not a whole lot of dialogue in Lazy Town like I'll show you a clip later just to like give you. A frame of reference. Okay. I'm going to make sure I do that before we end this meet tonight. But I guarantee you a lot of his facial expressions he got from him. Okay. Because that's how that character acts in this kid's show. I don't know. It just fucking blew my mind. And I think when I show you a clip later, you're just going to be like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's somewhere else in my notes, but obviously the clown appearance is slightly based off of Marcel Marceau. Oh, yeah. And David said that that was also another 
huge inspiration for how he plays art because Marcel Morceau is the famous mime clown. Yeah. Want to throw that in there? I'm glad you didn't. Like, I have some <laughs> shit in here you didn't have, and I'm fucking did not expect that. Next, we have Lauren Lavera as Sienna, and she's done some stunt work, did her own stunts in this movie. Yep. She has over 20 years of martial arts experience. She was on the Marvel TV show Iron Fist that was on Netflix as one of the characters there, and she's done a lot of shorts and random TV roles, but she has a shit ton of upcoming roles. Good. Including Terrifier 3. Yeah. Shooting this fall. Is it? Okay, yes. okay, okay. I'm glad to hear that she's in it, which is going to be really interesting when I get into this movie. She hadn't done a lot of big things. She just has shit coming up, and I see her getting a lot of work in the future. I thought she was great in this film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Totally. Amazing final girl. And the last person I wanted to mention is Elliot Fulham, who plays Jonathan, the little brother. He's had some random TV roles. He is the voice of Sal the Rooster on the Apple TV animated series, Getting Rolling with Otis. Okay. Which I feel like this came up on an episode, too. I swear it did. That or I'm having some Mandela effect deja vu bullshit. I remember Roly Poly Oly. Oh, that's what it was. That's You talked about that on an episode, and I was thinking it was this oh, when okay. I read that. But, yeah, so he's done an uh, Apple TV animated series main character voice, and he has a YouTube channel called Little Punk People where he interviews musicians, artists, and makes guitar videos, like guitar review videos, right? No shit. So I found his YouTube channel on my own by accident looking for, like, Damien interviews, <laughs> and it's because he had Damien on his show, and he had Lauren on his show. Oh, nice. To interview him, right? I saw a video that was seven years ago, and he's like my son's age looking in the video, interviewing James Hetfield on his bed in his bedroom. Damn. So, like, he's been interviewing famous people at least seven years ago when he was like eight to 10 years old. Was his neck just as long back then? Oh, my God. <laughs> he was a little kid, Josh. I don't know. I wasn't paying that much attention. <laughs> Anyways, I just think it's really neat that he actually has like this popular YouTube channel or somehow could get like Metallica on his fucking show. That is crazy. And he also is a musician. He's a singer. And his Spotify albums have like millions and millions of plays. Damn. And if I played you a song that he sang, you'd, your mind would be blown that it was him <laughs> singing it. It's mainly like folk style music. Okay. But with the way he talks, you would not expect that voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It was fascinating. But those are the the three main cast members in this film and the ones that uh, I chose to cover. Sorry, everybody else. But the mom, like the mom was great, right? And the friends were great. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. They're just not in it enough, no. you know? And the special effects were done by Damien Leone, right? Look like, at him he go. He started out as a special effects tech and doing special effects makeup. And he has quite a bit of credits doing that on stuff that even weren't his films, yep. right? Like he started doing makeup and shit. Which is fucking awesome. few details about the film. Hopefully I don't repeat myself, but you guys have been here for 82 episodes before this one, so you know it's going to happen. $250,000 budget, much larger than the first film. Yeah. Once again, independently funded without the aid of a studio. He did all the fundraising himself. Well, you know how they got that two hundred fifty k right? No. This time, the Indiegogo campaign was a success. And it's, uh, okay. and it's because of the clown cafe scene. So if you don't have the dirt oh. on that, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it when we get to it. <laughs> okay. Okay. And of course, Damien running the effects 
and doing the editing saved a lot of money yes. on this film. And watching him and his buddy sitting there doing the, the fucking cast in each other's kitchens and shit on behind the scenes. Because I didn't have commentary when I watched it, but I did watch some behind the scenes videos on YouTube and shit. And it's just funny watching them just goop everybody and make these fucking skulls while, you know, talking about their day. It's fucking. <laughs> I said skulls, but full, full head cast, you know? It's friends making movies. I know, I know. But with that $250,000 budget, this film grossed $15 million in theaters. First, it was in theaters, which blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe I couldn't believe it played here because we went and saw it fucking open at night. You know it's playing in theaters in November, right? Oh, really? It's getting re-released. Yeah, I want to go. Dude, I want to go. I'll go again. And if they need to, some places are letting them do the trick-or-treat rescreenings in theaters i want to do that i want to do trick-or-treat in a theater of course too. yeah but anyways yes fucking after the movie we just described this one gets a full theatrical release and made that <laughs> much goddamn money <laughs> yeah 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 i mean that's not james wan money but like the return on investment levels are that's pretty good yes yeah. <laughs> they were really able to expand on the story and the kills because he wrote this one pretty quickly after the first one and then the covid lockdown happened and he couldn't make a fucking movie. Nope. So he went back to it, tore it apart, and redid it. Not literally redid it, but like added more details, got David on the phone, came up with crazier kills, his buddy that helps him with the effects, like what can we do here? And like he thinks we got this movie because of COVID, right? Like because he had all the extra time to do it and not rush it out. Exactly, because they went right into it right after the first one. Like from, from inception to release, it took four fucking years working off and on to make the second one. Yeah. Speaking or repeating, wore many hats, Damien here. <laughs> Director, writer, producer, special effects, editor, etc. And then themed barf bags after hearing about people puking in the theater. There we go, in the notes. Damien says that he made Terrifier so gory because his favorite horror films to watch are slasher films, but they always cut away from the kills. Even when they look like they're about to get graphic, it still cuts away. And he thought that if you made super gory kills, it would not only make his movie stand out, but people would talk about it a lot and spread the word and word of mouth would make people see his film. Um, it worked. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> I found this interesting. I don't really know where to put it in. It's weird where it is in my notes, but I saw in an interview, somebody asked him if he would ever work for a studio and he said he would kill to direct the studio <laughs> film with studio money and that, he does not have to do super gory horror movies. Like, he wants to do horror movies, but that was Terrifier's thing. Yeah. Like, he could do any kind of horror movie, and his dream job, his absolute dream job, is to reboot the Friday the 13th series. Dude, shit, I'd be okay with this as long as somebody else is writing it. <laughs> no, and that, I don't mean that as a knock. Like, like, you know what I mean? Get me Lee Winnell right in Friday the 13th. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Let Damien direct it. <laughs> yes, I'm all over this. I think it's sad that I feel like Lee's like, okay, I can direct now. I'm going to direct. And I really want him to write more. He's a good writer. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent, man. Isn't there a new Friday the 13th prequel that's fixing to come out? I think there's a TV show coming on like Peacock or something, right? No, this is like fucking like David Gordon Green's doing it or some shit. David Gordon Green's currently doing the Exorcist reboot. The fucking sequel that ignores. Oh God. What did you? There's too much Exorcist, what? right? Well, I'm saying the the other Exorcist. No, the new Exorcist, the one that the one that's out this year is David Gordon Green. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were like it's yeah, another yeah. one. <laughs> and it's like a reboot. It's a requel, right? Because yeah. it has some people in it from the original and stuff. Yeah. Anyways, 
There's Josh and Jesse for you when we've been drinking. Yeah, I'm liquored oh. up. <laughs> oh, God. When I'm editing our episodes, I'm usually like so fucking smashed by the time you get to your movie. But it's my movie this time. This is terrifying. <laughs> However, I feel like I was sipping my beer and listening to you instead of like nervously chugging them while talking. So this might have worked out. <laughs> Anyways, Damien said the family in this film is based off of his family for the most part. He himself was raised by a single mom and he had two older sisters, not one. And he was obsessed with horror and serial killers, just like Jonathan. That's why Jonathan is the way he is. And he was really big into art, which is why Sienna's into art. And he said that he actually was trying to melt clay one night to work on an effect when he was a kid. Okay. And it was sulfur based clay. <laughs> And he didn't know that you couldn't heat it on the stove and he caught his kitchen on fire and his mom had to run in there and put it out with a fire extinguisher and it's like, Jesus, fuck, you're going to burn the house down with your bullshit. So he wrote it into the movie. Because <laughs> Sienna has that happen with the wings because it happened to Damien. That's great. That is fucking fantastic. I'm so glad you didn't have all this shit. <laughs> oh, dude, I tried to be so restrained. Like I didn't, I didn't <laughs> listen to the commentary or anything, but there was, there was shit that popped up in interviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damien was heavily accused of misogyny after making the first film, no shit. which really pissed him off because he was raised by his mob and two older sisters and really has a thing for strong female characters. So he made sure Sienna was an absolute badass that viewers root for. Cause he also doesn't like that people root for art. Yeah. Right, like, he makes art, he puts all the funny shit in, he does all the air quotes cool shit for art, <laughs> but he knows art's a sick fuck, right? And Like, everybody's like, art's my hero! He wanted everybody to root for Sienna, and he made her a badass. If you have this in here, I'm sorry, but he refers to her as the Valkyrie. That is what she is. I never once saw him say that in any of the interviews that I saw, but I refer to her as the Valkyrie throughout my notes. Good. So That is 100% Mission accomplished. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, she had Viking style bikini male, right? In the wing. She was a Valkyrie in that, yes. the hair. The hair is the most um, telling thing about her supposed to be a Viking. Do you know the full story about the hair? <laughs> no. I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. So Damien designed the costume. And, uh, yeah. And sent, her, <laughs> and sent her off to hair and makeup. And uh, it was an interview I was listening to where they're like, how much control did you have over this? And he's like, I got the idea. And then I sent it off to hair and makeup and I say, run with it. And one of the girls that was doing hair and makeup said, you know, if you're really going to lean into this Viking thing, we should actually do braids. And he's like, do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she looks like Lagertha, the shield maiden from Vikings. Yes. She's fucking, it's like the same hair. Yeah. yeah. She's so fleshed out. I love, I love it. I lo and that's why I knew you'd like this one. It's so fucking like fantasy and D and D and like trying to have a story. It, like, Anyways, sorry. You were almost so wrong, though. This was like, which Poltergeist movie is it where I start yelling in the microphone with the light of God coming down yeah. with the hand and the spear? Because that's this movie. <laughs> but is. I liked it. It, it worked this time. It and I think no, that's in here. It has story and makes no fucking sense. It's so Damien. <laughs> there is so much shit in this movie that is shit that I absolutely fucking appall and hate in films. <laughs> I give it a pass in this one. I don't fucking know why. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Sorry, sorry. I'll try to keep to myself, but yes, Valkyrie. Oh, my God. Damn, yeah. I only have a few more notes here, and then I'm going to dive into the film. So, last couple of notes here. The clown girl was originally supposed to be an Italian horror-style ghost girl in a sundress with a sun hat. That was Damien's vision the whole time for her. And then he started seeing gender-swapped cosplays of art yep. at horror conventions, and he's like, that is fucking terrifying. <laughs> 
<laughs> the little girls can be art as a kid. That's a girl because it's creepier. And boy, was he right. She's the creepiest fucking thing about this movie. Yes. And Damien said he had to walk a really fine line on Art's backstory. He knows Art's backstory in his head. And he knows that he needs to give some story in each movie and more each time. Or it's like a fuck you to the audience. But he also feels like if he tells you too much, which is the problem in a lot of these fucking horror franchises. Yeah. It would take away from it. Yeah. Curse of Michael Myers, anyone. (laughs) Which I really liked as a kid, but you know. Still, it like ruined other shit. And by the way, this is the fifth film Damien has made that has Art the Clown on it. Yep. Second Terrifier, fifth film. And that's including shorts. Yes. And finally, I saw an interview with Damien and the cast, and he said that he knew that he had really, really made something special when Stephen King, the master of horror, tweeted about his film and how fucking amazing it was. And he said, and to top it all off, I don't remember when this convention was, but he said, just last night... Mike Flanagan was praising me on the internet. Fuck yeah. Right? So like between Stephen King and Mike Flanagan praising him, he's like, I've, I've fucking done something now. Right? Like, yes. <laughs> and that's the thing about Damien and why I gush so much about him is like, look past the bullshit. Like, this is a guy. I think there's a future here yeah. with Damien. He is not what I expected, Russell, in an interview. I did not expect, like, a Brooklyn guy that's ready to go play ball with you. Like, he's ready to play some basketball on the street hoops, right? Yes. <laughs> and whoop your ass. And uh, never seen a movie. And just hearing the edgelord versions of the stories of these films, <laughs> I expected this, like, goth kid that lived in his mom's basement. Exactly. And he only wears corn shirts and slipknot shirts, right? Like, that's all I expected. And then I, I got to Damien, right? I was not expecting any of that. No, he's a fucking treat, man. And I'm sorry if I offended any of our listeners. I'm just saying, like, there's a certain kind of people on Reddit that you run into, and that's who I I, I expected to have made this film off of only the stories I'd heard. I just went to St. Louis with the wife to see Corey Taylor, and I'm not giving you shit, so you'll be all right. (laughs) It's because you saw those people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with those people. I sleep next to those people. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble from your wife, aren't I? <laughs> I already got in trouble for fucking comparing Javier Botet and Doug Jones. Oh, she, she was triggered. Me. She's like, but I didn't actually shit on Doug Jones. Say anything bad about Doug Jones. I love Doug Jones. Uh, Doug Jones. Speaking of uh, Doug Jones, it was great where he got to like be in what we do with the Shadow Season 5 without being in a suit. Yeah. Like, we got Doug Jones as Doug Jones, who picked out his own outfits by buying shit on Amazon. (laughs) Anyways, anyways. (laughs) Let's try to stop derailing, and uh, this is a good point, because I'm diving into the movie right here. Let's go. We pick up right where we left off with Art in the coroner's office. The coroner's bleeding out on the floor, trying to make it to a phone, gets to it, tries to call 911. They answer, but he can't talk. He's too fucked up. (laughs) And then Art beats his head in with a hammer. And then tries to take his eyeball out and stick it in his own head because he's missing an eye from the shotgun blast or not shotgun, but the gun blast. Right. Yes. And uh, it doesn't quite work. Right. (laughs) It won't fit and stay. Creepy ass face, though, that he makes right here. Yes. Art ends up taking some surgical tools, a jar of sulfuric acid and uh, all of the dude's pocket change. Right. And this is after he looked at his reflection in something. Right. He saw bloody was and fucked up. What happens next is something that I never thought I'd ever say in this podcast or in a conversation, but Art heads to the laundry mat, right? (laughs) He's got to get the blood off his clothes somehow, because apparently Damien's sister's not doing his laundry at this point. (laughs) 
there's some dude napping in a chair in the laundry mat and Art throws his clothes in and he's just sitting there butt ass naked with his legs crossed and his shoes on reading the funnies, <laughs> right? That's the air quote voice uh, while waiting on his laundry. And by funnies, I mean he is silently laughing and clapping to an article about a family of four being killed in a head on collision. That's art. Because that's art. Yeah. At some point, he notices this evil clown girl sitting on a different set of chairs that is honestly way creepier looking than Art. <laughs> and he has a confused look on his face as she creepily smiles at him until she starts to shit all over the floor. And then he knows he's with his own people at this point, right? <laughs> True. She comes over and they start playing this clapping game. And the man wakes up. And what he sees from his perspective is a naked Art playing a clapping game by himself and clapping the air. Patty cake, sir. You're looking for patty cake. <laughs> Were they playing patty cake? Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was like more to it than that. Well, patty cake was shit. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we see Art in completely clean clothes, mopping up the floor, and the guy's dead in the chair with his head beaten in. I guess he wanted to cover his tracks maybe and make people think he was dead. Like, I don't know why he cleaned up the, the blood and shit. I've got nothing on that. I do want to point out it is the broom handle that shoved through dude's head. Oh, yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's really weird. But it's like you're saying, it's like clean clothes, clean up, you know, cover up my tracks. Like, all right, let's get let's get going. But where he's mopping, the, the mop's not bloody. I wonder if he thinks he's cleaning up the shit. Oh, that's what 100% what I think he's doing. Okay, okay. From the girl. But yeah. but I, I got to point out because it's it's loose storytelling. Is 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 there even shit there? Um, which is going to get weirder right. later in the movie, but I'll it, let you it take gets us much there. weirder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny behind the scenes story here. They go to film the scene, and David's sitting in the chair naked, and the cops show up <laughs> because somebody saw a crazy, creepy looking clown walk into a laundromat, right? And they walk in, and he just looks at him with the newspaper on his lap covering his junk. And the cops are like, oh, okay, we see what's going on here. <laughs> Because there's cameras and lights and shit, right? Okay, like, okay. But they think there's like a serial killer in a clown costume. They walk in and realize it's a movie set. Holy David shit. David said it was hilarious, though. Um, Speaking of cops, I should have brought this up during the first movie. The guys from Fuzz on the Lens Productions, you remember a few years ago when there were reports across the country of people just like in creepy clown costumes just showing yeah. up, staring yeah. at playgrounds and shit? Nothing violent yeah. happened, but the guys from Fuzz on the Lens, according to Damien, are the ones who started that. They did it in New York. Uh, I mean, I thought it was terrifier related when it happened, right? Because like the timing and, you know, this is when I was like, oh, some edgelord shit, right? (laughs) Like, like I I, I thought that was probably related. We actually experienced that here in town, which is nowhere near there. We went over, um, we're driving like to my buddy David's house or something. And there was a guy in a clown costume that popped up in the street and started staring at us. And then he just walked around the car while we were trying to drive down the street staring at us funny. Holy shit, man. And this is like Terrifier one time. Yeah, I might be going hot. <laughs> I knew there was a lot of teenagers on that street and stuff, but it was probably because that shit had gone viral at that point. Yeah. And you could get clown costumes at like everywhere at that point in time. So it was almost Halloween. <laughs> Anyways, we get our title card and cut to a montage of Sienna making her cosplay tier Halloween costume to a six synth soundtrack. And we get a good look at her room and see that she's really into fantasy stuff. And there's a random sword on her dresser, right? Yup. However, this scene reminds me of the opening scene of Nightmare 3, where the chick is making the dollhouse. Yes! It's shot exactly like that. 
And if Damien told me right now that he was not doing an homage to that scene, I'd call him a fucking liar to his face. Fucking 100%, dude. Yeah. Yeah. He loves the films, right? Like, he loves slasher movies. There's no way that was not, like, an homage to that. Totally. Her costume looks legit as fuck and is basically a winged Valkyrie. Yeah. See? There's the word right there. <laughs> we cut to family dinner, and we get the idea that mom is overwhelmed and that dad is not around for some reason. And the mom wants to know what they're wearing for Halloween. And Sienna's brother, Jonathan, says that he wants to dress up as the clown serial killer from Miles County last year. Right? Like, they did the murders last year. And Sienna says that that's sick. And the mom's like, fuck no. (laughs) Like, straight (laughs) up. The main thing to get from the scene is that Jonathan's obsessed with serial killers and Nazis. Because he starts (laughs) spouting out a bunch of random information. (laughs) Why the Nazis? I don't know. Later, we find out from a conversation between Sienna and her mother that she's really worried about Jonathan ever since dad died last year. So now we know why dad's not around. And mom says she's worried about Sienna's drinking. And we cut to Jonathan's room somewhere in here, and he already has an art costume hanging in his room. And he's obsessively Googling the murders. Yep. I don't remember if we see that he's got like a scrapbook of the girls that were killed yet of Tara and Dawn. No, no, that's later. He's He's got that shit. In his room somewhere. <laughs> Sienna goes to her room to finish her costume, and we see Jonathan come in and ask for crazy glue to fix his clown hat, and we see a, a bit of brother-sister bonding here. She's like, it's sick, but I'm still going to help you fix your shit, right? <laughs> and he promises that he just won't do the face paint, right? He'll just wear the costume. Yeah. So it's not as in bad taste. And Jonathan's looking at her costume, and he says, holy shit, it looks just like Dad's drawing. And that she should really take the sword with her with the costume. And she reminds him that it's a real sword and really dangerous and that that would be illegal. Foreshadowing. Yeah, because it's not a cosplay (laughs) level sword. It's a sword. A magic sword. It's going to survive a fire. (laughs) Finally, we hear that Jonathan is scared that Art might come back because nobody ever found his body. Right? Dun, dun, dun. Which is kind of weird because they found his body and took it to the coroner, and then the coroner was found dead. So it seems like it would be obvious that he survived, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I guess that goes back to the writing you're making fun of that I defended <laughs> earlier, but I guess there is a couple little gaps in there. There's like peaks and valleys. Oh, the right? whole one year ago thing between these two films is what fucks it up the most to me. <laughs> but it makes it on Halloween both nights. It does. Which is another paying respects back, man. Touche. Anyways, after this scene, Sienna falls asleep watching TV, which includes some fucked up looking cartoon. And of course, Night of the Living Dead because it's free. And then it fades into this clown show with a theme song that is way too fucking catchy. Drop on by the clown cafe. Drop on by the clown cafe. Sienna then appears in the show dressed up as a little kid in pigtails. And by kid, I mean like there's adults playing all the kids dressed as kids with like kid freckles and stuff. It's yes. really weird. And she looks over and there's a cereal commercial being filmed with a kid eating Art the Clown cereal that has like bugs in it and broken glass and all sorts of other fucked up shit, right? Yeah, but it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what Count Chocula and Monster Mash cereal looks like this year, for the record. <laughs> I have them both oh, in shit. there. So 
Monster Mash is great. It's all of the Count Chocula branded cereals mixed into one box. Oh, okay. There's a new one. Last year they had, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but it's a werewolf in the box, and it was cherry flavored, and I really liked it. What? And I have not found it this year. Yeah, it was really good. No shit. Cannot find it, and the Monster Mash doesn't have it in it either. Huh. If it was a failed experiment, I'm going to be sad. But anyways, what the fuck kind of derail was that <laughs> this film? Are we hungry? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I don't even remember where I was at. Clown show, right? Yes. The Clown Cafe? Okay. Art the Clown shows up as a special guest, right? And he starts giving all the adult children popcorn and candy. And then he gets to Sienna and he gives her a gift box. And she opens it and it's a heart that's full of worms and blood and all sorts of shit oozing out of it. Like a real heart. <laughs> and then Art murders all of the adult children viciously with a fucking Tommy gun. <laughs> like just da, 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 da. And it's like really abrupt, quick cuts to make it even more disturbing. Yes. And that one dude's face getting shot like repeatedly looks oh, yeah. so good. The only survivors from this event are Sienna and the host singing the Clown Cafe song. Oh, wait, wait, no, no, no. He pulls out a flamethrower and then he torches her and she spins and sings and dances a little bit more on fire and then falls out. Yes. Right? Which I saw the behind the scenes of that where they're like, fuck, cover. <laughs> when she dropped, because I guess she did it longer than he wanted. It's funny, though, because like Art has a dance with her while she's on fire. Yes. And then he starts laughing at all the corpses, right? Like, and it's just, Art's crazy. <laughs> we see Sienna crawling into like the, the cereal commercial room towards the box. And Art tries to torch her with the flamethrower, but she reaches into the box and pulls the sword out from her room like the fucking sword of Gryffindor out of the fucking hat, <laughs> right? And Harry Potter and blocks the flame with it. And uh, it's badass. at this point, I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? And I'm not watching this shit anymore, right? Like, I was like, what the fuck? Okay. Because it didn't just go slightly supernatural. It went like a D&D campaign. But it's a dream, somewhere. so it's okay. And that is what I told myself to fucking persevere through. And then it just grew and got worse, which made it better. <laughs> I don't know. I can't explain it. Anyways, she wakes up in her room and the wings in her bedroom randomly burst into flames. We can see that they caught on fire out of nowhere. Right. And mom runs in, puts them out and blames Sienna for burning her fucking candles on her dresser all night with the wings sitting there, which she did not. Right. Yes. And before going back to bed, she surveys the damage and sees that the rings are completely fucking ruined, along with everything else on her dresser that's charred, except for the sword. It was buried under the ashes, and it's fine. The handle, the metal, there's not a mark on any of it after she knocks the ashes off, right? Yes, because it's special. And I have magic. It's fucking magic. Yes, people. yes. And I have to interject. <laughs> I have to tell I have to tell two stories about this scene. Ah oh, shit. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I warned you, I warned you. I promise this is the only one. And there's another one. Um, it's a lie. <laughs> so this was a big deal. The dream sequence was a big deal because there's going to be a callback to it. And that was the main reason that he went with the Indiegogo was like to do this right is going to be so damn expensive. And within like hours of launching the Indiegogo, they went past what they were expecting to get. And that's how yeah, they ended up. That's getting, all that. Yeah. And they got the 250,000. So the people in line that get like shot and shit by Art the Clown. Oh, those are okay. Those are Indiegogo backers. Okay, and got the big ones like the top tier or whatever. Yes, and like the guy that gets his face shot off and all that shit. They were Indiegogo peeps, but the announcer that's talking at the beginning of it—that's David. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I knew that. And the the girl I don't I don't know her name that's actually playing the banjo or guitar or whatever and singing the Clown Cafe song. 
is the nurse at the end. Yes, but that's actually her playing and singing. Yeah, I know. Even though the song was written by the people that made Zombievers, um, <laughs> which I think is just hilarious. She was on Jonathan's YouTube channel with him playing it on guitar and her singing. Oh, fucking awesome. I said Jonathan, but what's his real name? Elliot, I think. The Neck. Um, <laughs> Jesus, I was the Neck. That was Jesse the Neck know, Ventura. That's what they called That's me. Why My so- nickname was El Cuello, which means the Neck. I know, and I haven't seen a neck like this since you, sir. That's why I'm so drawn to it. I was skinny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's an anchor point for the movie, and I just think it's so cool that he, he put the Indiegogo backers in there, even though he slaughtered yeah. them. And it's a wild fucking scene, man. This is another one of those it things is. that it's really cool. it feels trauma. It really feels trauma, but with polish and panache. It was really interesting to me because, you know, when I'm editing the episodes, I like to put a clip in to lead into our next episode. And it's really hard to do when it's movies I've never fucking seen. (laughs) And I hate spoilers. You know, I hate spoilers. So I have to be really careful when I start finding scenes online. And I was so lucky that like the clown cafe scene was like the second or third one I found. And I was like, this is perfect. You know, her saying, Art the Clown, you know? Yes. And I ended up just, I actually pulled the song up in my car on Spotify on the way to work the other day. <laughs> I just wanted to hear it. Well, that's because. I don't know, I like it. Well, you know, food's a little funny at the Clown Cafe. <laughs> There's so much going on in that song, man. It's fascinating. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm sorry. So the next morning, Sienna tells the mom that the sword her dad got her, so now we know where the sword came from, uh-huh. was on the dresser when everything burned and it survived the fire without a mark on it. And mom's like, oh, well, that's good, honey. <laughs> <laughs> she then sits down and she starts to watch her brother eat some sort of non-art the clown, clown-based cereal. Yes. And starts having visions of the dead boy from her dream, right? It's fucking with her at this point. Totally. Meanwhile, I put several of those in here just for you. Yay! We can see Art in a warehouse making some weapons out of furniture and tools and all in the surgical shitty stole in a very Kruger filmed way. It is done like the opening scene of Nightmare on Elm Street, sitting at the workbench, the same camera angle when he's hammering the, the nails down Nightmare on Elm Street, but he's hammering the nails into the table leg and shit. Yes. Fucking Damien's line if he told me that was not Nightmare on Elm Street. Right there. Oh, okay? he admits it. That's why I love him. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I don't mean it in a bad way at all when I'm saying this. Like, I, I really love the nods. And I don't know how many people will get, oh, that's the cinematography from the original Nightmare. You know, like, they're just in the, <laughs> subconsciously, they're going to know they like it and know it. But, you know, like, he, he's good at picking what he did. Like, he didn't rip off a line or a scene. He picked off a cinematography. Yes. In a similar scene. You know what I mean? It's, like, kind of cool how he did it. I used ripped off, which is derogatory. This is not derogatory. Anyways. No, no. He says, like, he's like, I ripped this off from Suspiria. I ripped this off from that. Like, he, doesn't, <laughs> he fucking says it, man, so it's fine. <laughs> we really got to cover some Italian horror. That's, like, the most requested thing I've ever gotten in fan mills for us to do Dorio Argento films. And, guys, it's coming. We're just waiting until Josh is, like, cultured enough to not shit on them. Because <laughs> I've watched a lot of Dario Argento and Fulci films, right? Like, I've, <laughs> I've seen a lot of Italian horror when I was... When I was younger, especially I worked at a video store, man. But anyway, will you let me do this fucking movie? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so he's Kruger making weapons. Yes. <laughs> and the creepy girl's in there, and she's watching this like little busted TV that she slaps into work. And it looks like an Apple tube or something. I don't know what it is. She gets it working. <laughs> and she's watching the interview from the first film, right, with uh, Victoria before she kills the host, right? <laughs> and... 
as soon as it shows Victoria's face, like all mangled and eaten, Art just starts silently laughing. Like it's the funniest thing he's ever seen. Yes. Because he finds it hilarious. It's funnier than the family of four dying in the head on collision. <laughs> you know? We then cut to Jonathan at school and see two little shits picking on him a bit as they pick on a dead possum with a stick. Yeah. And they gross out a girl in the playground by showing her the uh, dead possum and get yelled at by their teacher, played by Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp. <clears throat> also in the <clears throat> Hatchet franchise. I know, but we know what she's from, okay? <laughs> she's the girl with the dick in Sleepaway Camp, okay? <laughs> Everybody knows that. But it's funny to watch her get on to them, and, like, you hear her accent, and I'm like... She's probably Damien's neighbor or something. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I wonder how they got her in the film. I'd be fascinated to know. <laughs> Anyways, later in class, we can see that Jonathan actually liked that girl, and he's upset that those boys did it to her. And when he looks at her, she gives him a eat shit and die look, right? Yes. She thinks he was a part of it, right? Totally. He then goes to the bathroom, and on the way, he finds the creepy clown girl and Art playing with the dead possum in the hallway floor. They then throw it at him, and it hits him, splattering blood, and he runs off into a teacher. And the teacher then cuts the corner and finds the dead possum and the blood and guts all over the fucking floor. Holy shit, it really happened because they could both see the possum. Yes. Which means Art and the girl were really there. Or at least Art, but... At least Art, and we know Jonathan saw both of them. And the teacher does, speaking of Damien lifting things, does say the line, no running in the halls. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely like, and I had that earlier version of my notes, it definitely felt like Nancy going to the bathroom. Yeah. They just need to screw your hall pass in there somewhere. Exactly. But you're right. There's all of a sudden this window open to, we established earlier that dude in the laundromat did not see the little girl, but Jonathan for sure saw the little girl. What right. differentiates them? And that's what makes right. this film very interesting. Yeah. Or... Anger-inducing. <laughs> True. <laughs> tomato, tomato. But we see Sienna at school eating lunch with her friends, Allie and Brooke, and they tell her about the talk show host getting killed the night before by the deformed Miles County survivor. No face. They start to go into details, which makes Sienna really woozy, which I think is kind of weird. And then she tells them about the fire and her weird ass dream after she recovers. But it's such a big deal about her getting sick from the details that I don't really, like, I don't really understand that. Anymore. I'm with you on that. It's like, okay, like you could show her getting a little queasy, but it's like, it was like a draw in like minute and a half scene. It's like, it has no bearing on anything. Maybe just to show that she's not into that shit. But, I mean, she was going to bed watching Night of the Living Dead. So, I mean, come the fuck on. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like, maybe she's putting two and two together from her nightmare, and she's already scared that it's real. And that's why it's Well, it's she her. immediately goes into the story about her nightmare to her friends. So, maybe it made her think of her nightmare. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I give you a pass. It just, it was a very sudden shift. We like you, Damien. Come on our show. Anyways, we cut back to their, I don't even know their last name, but Sienna and Jonathan's house, and we can see that Jonathan's in deep shit because his mom just found out about the possum from the duty officer taking him home, and she starts to think about what Sienna said the night before about, I wouldn't be surprised if you find him killing animals one day. Yep. Right? Meanwhile, Allie and Sienna <laughs> head to Spirit Halloween Store, not really, but they go to the Halloween Store. <laughs> To get her some cheap wings for her costume, since her good ones that she made herself burned, and 
they have an encounter with Art. Like, each one of them does separately. Allie runs off to go to the bathroom or something and runs straight into Art, and he looks at her kind of creepy. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. And he, like, nods at her and smiles a little bit like it's okay, and he does the gentleman, like, you first, right? Yeah. And that kind of goes back to what you said in the first film, right? Had she not freaked out about the ring, they probably would have lived. Yep. But Allie was polite right there. So as of right now, she's okay. For now. For now. Sienna, however, is just completely startled by the appearance of Art. And he's like leaning against a wall, grinning with uh, fuck me eyes. <laughs> doing eyebrows, right? Yes. And after the fuck me eyes, she bugs the fuck out and goes to pay for her stuff and realizes that she doesn't have her purse. And Art just slams her purse on the counter as he walks by and heads to the sunglasses rack and he starts trying on some righteous shades each with their own goofy pose. And it's fucking fantastic. He even breaks out some party favors. Sir. It's great though. He's got like the slinky eyes. Yes. And like like pineapple slings. I don't remember what the fuck it it's is. Flowers. But every time it cuts to him, yeah, yeah. Sunflowers is what it is. Every time it cuts to him, he has different ones on and it's fucking hilarious. Yes, it seems like it would be so stupid, but it fucking works. It all works. It's the only movie it works in. Yeah. Yeah. But at some point, the store clerk decides he needs to get Sienna a bigger bag because of the wings. And he goes to the back, and Art takes his time to go fuck with Sienna some more by standing right next to her, grinning and hogging a bike horn at her head repeatedly. <laughs> and the clerk comes out and tells him to fuck off, and then she leaves. Art acts like he's leaving, but he puts up the closing sign on the door and locks it and puts the bike horn on the counter like he wants to buy it, right? Because the guy didn't see him at the door. When the guy tells him how much the horn is and it's time to pay, he starts digging through his bag and he starts pulling out all sorts of random shit that could all be used as improvised weapons, right? Like he's throwing chains on the counter and the table leg and, um, oh, actual money. He pulls change out and then bills like he had money in there. Yes. And he slides it over very angrily looking on his face to pay for his horn, right? The clerk tells Art that he's going to fuck him up and then Art, well, fucks him up with a beer bottle and a meat cleaver, right? Yes. Right, just pulls it out of the bag and goes down on him. It's fucking brutal. This is all, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is all intercut with Allie and Sienna talking, and Sienna saying that it was Art the Clown, she thinks, and she saw him in her nightmare, and she thinks that it's her nightmare that calls the fire. And Allie wants to know if Sienna changed the dosage of her meds recently. So we now know that Sienna's medicated for something because she doesn't, Say, like, a fuck you, bitch, I'm not on meds nope. thing, right? Like, it's just like, she's like, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> nope, still uh, Seroquel in the morning and lithium at night. <laughs> Jesus, no, that's not what she's taking. I don't even know what the first one was. <laughs> but we'll get into what she is taking in a little bit. <laughs> but we cut to Sienna's house at night, and she's talking to her brother Jonathan, and he lets her know that he saw art in a creepy clown girl at school. And he says that he thinks that he is connected to Art and the girl in some way. And he starts to show his sister the newspaper clippings he has from the murders from the first film. And then he turns to a page of a little girl that was murdered by the clown. And if you pay attention, it's the same girl that's the clown girl, yep. right? So that's a girl that Art murdered. I don't know if it's his first murder or what, but I have a feeling that's going to be his original murder. And that's why she's the creepy demon clown girl. I'm just guessing that's where we're going to go in the third one or something. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait till we talk about that part. Oh, you know more? No, no, no. Well, a little bit, but I, I can't wait till we talk about what the fuck does this all mean at the end. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> at the end, I got gotcha. you. Jonathan then pulls out their father's art book to show her, and he has a picture of art drawn in intricate detail 
before art was a thing. Yep. Was what I got out of it. As well as some murder scenes, including some from the first film. Exactly. And a keen eye would notice the upside down hacksaw scene. Yep. <laughs> it's drawn in there. Boobies and all. And oh yeah. And finally he shows her a picture of the Valkyrie that the dad drew, which is obviously her in the costume with a sword and she's holding a decapitated. It looks like an orc head or something, right? Like she killed a monster. But the point being, she slayed the monster as a Valkyrie, right? Yep. He lets her know at this point that he thinks she might be connected to art and the girl as well. And she tries to calm him down and remind him that their dad was losing his mind in the end when he drew all that shit. And Jonathan begs her to stay home that night and not go out partying on Halloween because he has a bad feeling something's going to happen, right? Got a bad feeling about this. we got some Star Wars shit in here, too. <laughs> see, it always comes back. Always comes back. We then see Allie at her house, and there's this creepy rape van across the street. Straight up. Oh, yeah. And we can see that the little girl's riding shotgun in the car, but Art is not currently in the driver's seat. Art then trick-or-treats at her house. And she basically tells him to fuck off because she doesn't give candy to grownups, right? Yep, that's where she fucked up. Oh, yeah, yeah, She ends up giving him candy anyways because he won't stop beating on the door. And she throws it in his bag of goodies and shit, as I led to earlier. <laughs> but she can see what's in that bag. She can't see the feces, but she can see the improvised weaponry. And it makes her real uncomfortable and lock up the house, right? Meanwhile... <laughs> There's a lot of cuts in this movie, so I yes. had to do your meanwhile. Sienna's at home watching her local news while she preps for trick-or-treaters to come to the house because it looks like she's not going to go out partying tonight. She has chose to stay home, right? Yes. And the newscaster starts talking about Victoria killing the talk show host and getting arrested. And then she starts talking about how she just got out of the nut house, is basically what she says, for being crazy. Like you, Sienna. What the fuck did the TV just talk to her? <laughs> yes. <laughs> After hearing this, Sienna quickly doses up on her meds and decides that she's not going to stay in and she's going to go out after all, right? Makes sense. We then get a synthwave-fueled montage of Sienna showering and dressing up for the Halloween party. But this whole montage is great. Like, with the music and the shower, it's so 80s, like, induced, right? And there's, like, thunder going off outside, and it's timed with articles of clothing going on. Yes. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. It is. I love it. It is the right amount of over the top. It's, it's so cool how he's able to pull that off and it not be corny. Yeah. Anyways, we cut to Allie having a much more anticlimactic time getting dressed in her Halloween costume, and then she hears some sort of breaking sound downstairs in her house. And she, of course, does the same thing. Don't you watch scary movies? You might as well just come out here to investigate a strange noise or something. She goes downstairs and finds her sliding glass door broken into and Art drinking water in the kitchen. Like, he's, like, pouring a glass and drinking. It's so unsettling. He's a normal dude. Yes. He takes shits and he drinks water. He's humanized. <laughs> right. <laughs> but basically, she just stands there frozen watching him drinking water until he puts his cup in the sink and then he grabs something on the counter and he turns around with two knives in his hand and she takes the fuck off, running through her house, being chased by Art. He, of course, catches her and he starts to brutally kill her. And like I was making the joke about the cabinet scene earlier, like, what do we do for a new cabinet scene? Right. And paranormal activity. <laughs> yes. Damien's like, I got to top the upside down hacksaw scene. Cause that's what he refers to that scene. Yup. <laughs> that's, that's his phrase for it. This is where he chose to do it. Even though I'm not a gore hound, I feel like this scene needs to be described fully 
in detail because this was basically his money shot, right? Yes. <laughs> it's his big kill scene for the film. So Art makes it to Allie and he first slams her on the bed and then he slashes down her face vertically from forehead to chin with a scalpel cutting her eyeball in half in the process, right? Yes. He then takes surgical scissors and he starts to cut through her forehead so that he can scalp her and pull her entire scalp and hair off, right? That's his move. Yep. He then chucks her on the bed and he slashes her viciously over and over and over again with the scalpel. And she reaches up with an arm at some point backwards to try to stop him. And he grabs it. And he breaks her elbow backwards. And then he spins that shit around until the skin tears. And he just rips up part of the arm off and throws it. She has a nub now. And then she reaches up with her other hand and he grabs the finger, spreads them apart, and he rips. This part really fucked me up. Yes. <laughs> he rips the webbing in her hand all the way down her hand because he grabs like two fingers in one hand, two in the other, and he pulls. Yes. And uh, finally, he slashes her over and over again across the chest and he leaves her for dead. He goes out of the room and she starts to crawl on the floor towards her phone where Sienna's calling. She might actually make it out of here. No. <laughs> oh, wait. Here comes Art. And is that. Bleach and salt in his hands? <laughs> yes. This motherfucker douses her in bleach and salt and then rips her face off. Yeah. All that just happened. Yeah. And it's a real quick cut right at the end that you're like, my stomach, it goes on so fucking long, especially yeah, on the it's bed. It's almost four minutes. Yeah. It's almost four minutes. My, my stomach's turning and it's like, it's got to be over. It's got to be over. Then the bleach and salt and like, this is funny, but my stomach's still turning. You're like, win, win, win. And then it's a quick cutaway after he rips her face off. That's just like, huh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking James Wan saying you always have to follow something horrific with a little bit of levity. Yeah. Damien followed it with horrific levity. Yes. <laughs> and there's there's a story behind this but we're gonna go back to her bedroom and i'll wait till then <laughs> okay okay i watched the behind the scenes of them doing it it was pretty crazy oh god we come from this straight to sienna's house and we see her come down the stairs to show her mom the costume and her mom says that it's a little revealing your tits are practically popping out they are not. They are. She's like, come on, mom. It's daddy's character. And uh, mom says that on paper, it's okay. But if flesh on her daughter, it's different. And she looks like a stripper. And she doesn't know when Halloween turned into sex costumes. But your dad would have loved it. <laughs> right? Like she, she ends it with that and a smile. I don't know if that says good things about dad or bad things about dad. <laughs> dad would only love it when he's crazy. No dad's going to love daughter going <laughs> off on that. Boyfriend. Boyfriend's going to love it. But dad's not. <laughs> Brooke shows up to the house, takes Sienna to the party, and they head off. Back at Allie's house, her mom comes home and finds broken glass in the kitchen. Oh, and a creepy clown dismembering her daughter in the bed while silently laughing. Yep. The mangled corpse then starts to move around and says, Mom, and Art thinks this is really fucking hilarious. It's the only, like, questionable effect out of any of the movies was the, like, he had big balls going with the. I don't animatronics the wrong word, but the puppeteered like corpse. Yes. But he was smart. He did it quick on, on the movement. When you see her turn her head and say, mom, when it's like the girl's head sticking to the wall or however the fuck they did it. Like that's what really like makes it pay off. It's, it's very brief. And that entire thing yeah. is a puppet. My biggest thing was there's no way that, that she's still alive to say mom. Right. Was my biggest hang up, but it made it more like brutal. It did. And it's way more brutal. Like you said, the cabinet scene it's so much more than the spread eagle hacksaw in the first one. 
It is. God, what are we going to get in Terrifier 3? Yeah. Oh, I know, <laughs> oh right? Like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for like, it. He one-upped it so much. But the, the hilarious, well, not hilarious, the interesting story behind this was it was, <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying what you said, it was planned to be the cabinet scene. And they started shooting it and then had to break because of COVID. Yeah. That's one of the scenes they rewrote yes, because of COVID. And yeah. then Damien's like, I got time. Fuck it. I'm going to punch it up even yeah. more. <laughs> like, oh my God, dude. Like, what of that was enough before right, going back right. and shooting <laughs> for him to go? The bleach and salt, though, is just like a nice touch. If I ever dress up as Art the Clown, I have to have a bleach and salt. Dude, it's so good. And like you changed. said, man, it's like, it's gut-wrenching and then art comes back in all gleefully like okay it's still art but fuck but yeah when when the puppet turns and she goes mom and like fucking her face is yeah. missing and shit so the head saying mom's a puppet they yes. didn't have the the chick's head sticking the, the wall the okay because i saw them on the scenes and i saw the guy i don't know his name he's got like grayish whitish hair and a ponytail and a beard that does a lot of effects with damien i think he's like, the producer he was puppeteering Oh, I think he has two. He was the one puppeteering on the other side of the wall for the body, but I just kind of assumed it was actually her head because it looked so good. Yeah, but it's it's fucking it's awesome. It's fucking crazy, and we still haven't got to like the most disrespectful, gruesome scene, in my opinion. <laughs> Either I'm not remembering it, or it's gonna hit me like a fucking truck when I get there. <laughs> it's very brief by comparison, but it's much more dehumanizing. <laughs> Anyways, Damien's a fucking genius and fucking sick and yeah. twisted, and I love him. <laughs> And you gotta you gotta throw levity in. So even after the mom scene, we do it once again by cutting to the Halloween party. Yes, with uh, Brooke walking up to CNN saying, "Let's get fucked up, right?" Because <laughs> that's what and we're all thinking. CNN's, <laughs> I know. And Sienna's worried about Allie not calling him, and Brooke says it's time for a relaxing, stress-free environment for her and time for shots. After several shots getting slammed, we meet Brooke's douchebag date with a just the tip shirt. But if you pay attention, he walks in with a white sheet and glasses on. He's Bob from Halloween. Is he? Yeah. Holy shit. I didn't catch that. I got to throw it all in there. But uh, anyways, boyfriends, here, time for more shots. So they do more <laughs> shots. And Sienna tries to resist a little bit because she promised her mom she wouldn't, like, get too fucked up. But then we see her hammer some more shots, right? Yep. And then uh, we see her kind of get a little bit hyper, and she starts dancing like a madman on the dance floor, right? Get a little sweaty. Meanwhile, a group of kids with a mom stops by Allie's house to trick or treat, <laughs> and Art comes out covered in blood with the mom's decapitated head in his hand, hollowed out, used as a candy bowl, which I saw them make that on the behind the scenes video and fuck up somebody's kitchen counter and cabinet doing it. It was hilarious. That's great. The kids are taking candy out of it, and the mom compliments Art on the cool costume, and she's like, don't worry about the candy being sticky. It's just the fake blood. And Art appreciates it. Like, he appreciated the compliments from mom. They live. Just to prove your point from earlier, you live. Exactly. Right? Also, meanwhile, Jonathan is admiring dad's sword and going through his art book. Not art the clown, but the art book, the sketchbook, right? Yo. And mom comes in and gets pissed off and says that his dad was sick and that she wants to shit out of the house and she starts to tear the pictures up. He calls her a bitch and gets slapped and runs off out of the house. Rightfully so. Yeah. We then cut between Sienna doing more shots, acting really weird, and her mom finding the car in the garage pumpkined, egged, teepeed, and covered with shaving cream that says bitch on the windshield, right? Wow, I wonder who did that. <laughs> she thinks it was Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> then we cut back to Brooke, who finds Sienna molesting a skeleton prop on the wall. <laughs> And then gets the I love you man speech from Wayne's World. 
Only to find out that Brooke slipped her some Molly, right? She's fucking rolling at this point. It all makes sense. We see both Sienna get a call from her angry mom blaming Jonathan, as we also see Jonathan find the rape van. Sienna says that Jonathan would never have done that to his mom, and she tells her mom that she loves her, and her mom then instantly gets pissed off at her. She's like, I told you not to get drunk tonight. She's like, no, 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 mom, really. I just feel like I don't say it enough. I need to let you know that I love you. And she's like, I love you too. So we know she's about to fucking die, right? (laughs) Sienna then heads back to Brooke and gets the two rules of taking Molly from Brooke. Rule number one, don't call your fucking mom when you're on Molly. Number two, don't let the Molly go to waste, right? Agreed. (laughs) Back at the house, the mom comes in with some like bounty, some some super duty (laughs) shit, right? Like for this job. Hey, it's the quicker, thicker, picker upper. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but the mom starts to clean off the car with the paper towels and she goes to the driver's side window and wipes it only to see Art sitting in the car, smiling at her. And he then pulls up a double barreled sawed off shotgun and blasts her head clean across the garage. Big bada boom. That was not a B-roll shot, by the way. I saw the behind the scenes. Like, I don't know what they did, but it kind of looked like they shot a prop head with a sawed-off shotgun in a garage. Um, can I tell you what Damien said in an interview? Well, let me tell you like this part, and then you tell me exactly like what happened. Okay. David did some sort of big blast that kind of looked like he fired a shotgun into a prop head. And they're like, oh, my God, where did the scalp go? <laughs> like, oh, my God, it's over here on the other wall. And that's the camera shot. Like, they kept it because one of the cameras caught it. That wasn't B-roll. That's what happened. Yes. So what did Damien say? <laughs> They shot a prop head with a sawed-off shotgun. <laughs> I knew there was no way around it. Like when I saw that behind-the-scenes footage, I'm like, he just shot the fucking head with a shotgun. But that's what he was saying. It's like, oh my god, we didn't know it was gonna go everywhere. <laughs> like that. So what I saw wasn't like it like that. Like where he was doing any kind of commentary. It was like literally just like he had a guy following him with a B-roll camera the whole time. Yeah. Right? It's kind of funny. I love it. But we cut back to the party and Sienna's dancing on Molly until she's spooked by the little clown girl appearing in the room everywhere. She's like teleporting, basically. She appears right next to her and she screams and grabs on a Brooke. And of course, Brooke thinks it's the Molly that did it, right? Yep. We cut back to Jonathan running to his house and he's running until his mom about the rape van he saw. And he finds her all happy birthday to me style at the dining room table (laughs) with a candle at dinner. Had have been inspired by that. With her head blown off, by the way. Like, it's like what's left of her head. Yup. And there's already food on the table with the uh, with the candles. And Art comes in, like, with an apron on and shit. Like, <laughs> fucking, God, I can't think of her name right now. But she smokes weed as Snoop Dogg all the time. Martha, Martha Stewart, Stewart. Like a Martha yeah. Stewart apron on. And mashed potatoes that looks like he just whipped the shit out of them, right? And uh, <laughs> he adds that to the spread on the table. And then he starts to stuff mashed potatoes by hand into mom's head. <laughs> Jonathan is then startled by the girl and takes off running as Art chases him into Sienna's room with a giant syringe in his hand. This thing's fucking huge. He tries to get the sword, but he doesn't quite make it to it in time. Gets the shot in the neck and goes nappy time. And that was the scene I was talking about. It's so fucking dehumanizing when he just shoves the fucking potatoes into the cavity of her goddamn face. It's. I was really worried about what you were talking about. I was like, oh my no, God. No, it's that, but it's <laughs> juxtaposed with art in a fucking apron acting like Martha Stewart. Like you fucking said, yeah, man, yeah. it's wild. We go from this uh, very disturbing scene, as Josh put it, to Brooke's boyfriend's car, where Sienna's getting yelled at by Brooke 
for freaking the fuck out. And I really like Brooke's character. I like the way she acts in, the, in this movie. Like, I like the way she's constantly going off on her while trying to get her to party. Yes, she feels it's fucking very realistic. Yes, very real. <laughs> I mean, the amount of the times I got the don't call your mom back when you're drunk speech from like you guys, <laughs> it's like it's a real thing that happens, Yo. right? But, anyways, Brooke finds out that. Sienna took some Xanax before she left for the party, and Brooke now thinks that it was the Xanax and the Molly mixing that made her freak out, right? And the boyfriend's like, Xanax, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> Sienna then gets a call on her cell phone from Jonathan Uh-oh. to go to the old carnival because he's in trouble and needs her help. We see on the other end of the phone that it's the little girl mimicking his voice, and Art finds this very funny. They are in the rape van parked at a carnival. Yep. At this point. And so we've had, I just got to, I got to drop a nugget here. So we've had Jonathan see the little girl. We have had Sienna seeing the little girl, but is it in her head or yep. not? But she's actually hearing Jonathan's voice while this is right. going on, confirming that whatever it is, her and Jonathan are seeing the same fucking thing. Yeah. And, and the way it's shot, it's not Sienna physically seeing the little girl. We, the viewer, seeing the little girl in the van on the phone. Yes. So we know that it's the little girl calling her and it can't be like an uh, illusion or, or drug induced thing because we are the ones that saw it, not seeing it. Exactly. So whatever it is, they can see it. Which is not explained if you're hoping for that. Like, I know Josh is alluding to this giant explanation. It's not happening. Not oh, going. no, 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 no. It's just a theory. <laughs> just a theory. Okay, okay. We, we can theory it all day long. But the uh, van trio... Shows up at the carnival, and they don't see Jonathan. And Brooke says that he's weird, and this is that place where that little girl got killed, right? So we now know where Art killed the little girl back in the day. And Sienna says, fuck this, and goes off looking for a little brother on her own. Brooke's boyfriend thinks that they should go help her and not let her wander alone, which is, you know, you don't get smart things from people a lot in movies. <laughs> and um, Brooke says, no, she's fine. And her brother's just fucking weird. And he's been weird ever since their dad went crazy and killed himself. And the boyfriend's like, the fuck? <laughs> and we find out that he had a brain tumor and he started to hallucinate and see and hear things. And then one day he decided to end it by chugging a bottle of Jack and driving his car full speed into a transformer and died by burning alive. You can hear him screaming from a mile away. We cut Sienna walking around, looking cold, and looking for her brother. And then he calls her cell again. However, this time, it's really choppy, cutting in and out a lot, and she cannot understand him, and then the call drops, so he texts her, which is really funny to picture either Art or the girl, like, text messaging at this point. But we already established it, so it's okay. <laughs> right. So I, I'm just saying, like, I want to see it. Like, like it's really funny to picture in my head. But basically, he texts his sister, or they text acting like Jonathan to Sienna to say, I'm stuck. Please come get me. And she says, where are you at? And he says, at the Terrifier. Ooh. So... We got a nugget of backstory once again, right? The movie's called Terrifier. Art killed a girl at this carnival one time. Did he kill her in the ride? Oh, we're going to get some backstory. No. But we don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I love these seeds, though. Oh, yeah. Right? Because you're not reaching for it. You know the movie's called Terrifier because of this ride. Like, it has to. It's, the ride is not called Terrifier because of the movie. I guarantee you it's part of the backstory. Like... We don't know who the girl is. We don't know why he killed her. We do know that she is haunting him, so it's probably his first kill. And it probably happened at this ride where he was a scare actor eh? or something. Fascinating. <laughs> I actually kind of really wanted him to explain it one day, right? 
So I've got to figure out the fuck I was at because I just jumped around again. But we see, okay, we see Jonathan wake up in a creepy room and there's fucking like doll heads everywhere and clowns. And he cuts over to his left and he sees the creepy clown girl carving her own face off of the scapel and it takes off running. I'm assuming Art did that to her, right? Kind of like how he did to Victoria. Well, he ate her face, but still. (laughs) We're getting there. I don't know. The cannibalism popping up in this movie is... Well, it's terrifying, but it's fantastic (laughs) at the same time. (laughs) We then cut to the van where Paul's wanting to live the experience of his just the tip shirt, but uh, instead it's time to do some blow, right? So do a bunch of blow, and the next bit is going to jump back and forth a lot between two groups of characters. I'm going to tell them as two separate scenes. Okay. Just to save my sanity here. So I'm going to, I'm going to cover what happens to Brooke and then Sienna, but Sienna is going to reference back to Brooke a little bit. I think everybody's going to follow. I think everybody's going to be able to follow on just fine. There's a difference between explaining on a podcast and watching a film, right? We call this first part, just the tip. <laughs> sure. Why not? So real quick, Brooke and her boyfriend are making out on blow in the van and Brooke starts to get worried about Sienna and wants to call her. Her boyfriend gets mad because he's not getting as far as he wanted and he decides to go take a piss outside and takes just the tip of Art's knife to his winger (laughs) over and over again. While this is happening, Brooke spots the words just the tip written like in the window, right, where Art obviously did it, which makes her look around and see Art violently stabbing her boyfriend in the junk over and over again. Until he yanks his wiener off, and then he runs up and shows it to her at the window, and basically uses it as a fist pack to punch through the yes! <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe I just said that. And then he yanks Brooke out the window, and she's on the ground, and she kicks the shit out of his face, knocking him in the van and knocking him over. I swear she accidentally kicked David. That's what it looked like. <laughs> and uh, he just sits there staring at her, pissed off, and gets up and goes after her. And she makes a run for it, and he's just walking real slow. That's like what I'll say about the shape, right? Yes. Like that's that's always walking. And she falls, and I guess it's on broken glass or something, because she basically eviscerates the shit out of her leg. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. It's not really explained what happens there, but she falls over, and she's got several gashes in her leg at that point. And she manages to get up one more time before Art makes it to her and takes off running. She sees the terrifier, and she... I. It was from the, I guess, Sienna explained, like, he, Jonathan said, go to the Terrifier, right? Yes. So she sees the Terrifier, and she runs into the Terrifier, yelling for Sienna. She makes it into a bathroom and trips and falls over, and the bathroom is covered in shit and or blood, but I think it's primarily just shit. Even says Art was here and shit. Yes. There's feces and flies everywhere. She's cornered now in the shit-filled bathroom. What a terrible place to die. <laughs> and Art approaches her with this table leg full of nails and screws, right? Yep. Is what she can see. And she's focusing on that. But his other hand's behind his back, which has the jar of acid he stole at the beginning of the movie, which she douses her in, and she starts to just, like, break out in, like, blisters, and her fucking skin melts off, right? Then he violently beats the fuck out of her with the table leg with screws and nails in it, caving skull in this part is what i thought you might have been alluding to on the dehumanizing no 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 because then he beats her chest cavity and it just collapses he then reaches into the the sunken cavity of her chest yanks out her beating heart and starts to eat it because why not art's a fucking cannibal why not (laughs) meanwhile sienna walks into this creepy clown haunted house called the terrifier right 
Yep, yep. We've seen it from different perspectives now. Yelling for her brother as she walks further and further in. It's kind of like what you were talking about earlier, the different layers of the basement and shit. Yeah. Happens a lot in here. She randomly hears Brooke screaming for her in kind of a supernatural way, the way they cut it. And she starts to run through the house until she finds Brooke's mangled body on the shitter floor. She looks up and Art is just standing in the opposite doorway, admiring his work <laughs> and, and admiring Sienna, it looks like, and smiling, right? Yep. She notices him and jumps and he just starts to wave at her smiling and starts to slowly walk up to her. And they have a bit of a stare down, and then she notices her brother run up behind him and calls out Jonathan. Art turns and smiles, giving a bit of an eyebrow wink, and then Sienna picks up a two-by-four off the ground that Brooke picked up as a weapon before she got doused with acid and smashes Art in the back of the leg. John is able to get away because of this and takes off running, but this pisses Art off enough to beat the shit out of Sienna because he's mostly not really fucked with her. Yeah. He's fucked with everybody around her, but not her directly. And he starts slamming her into walls, lockers, through the glass and mirrors, drops her on the ground, and he starts kicking and basically curb stomping her on the ground until she's completely unconscious. Yup. Jonathan continues to run, and he finally finds a place to hide as Art's doing, like, the slow stalking looking for him, right? And he's doing the, I think you're over here, like, peeking behind the curtains <laughs> and stuff. He doesn't appear to find him. He leaves the room, and Jonathan thinks that he lost Art, and he looks out, and he sees the exit sign that is way too pristine compared to the rest of this dilapidated building. But anyways, he sees the exit sign, and he takes off running to get out of there, straight into Art, who cuts his cheek with a scalpel and then slashes Jonathan on the back a bit, and then he laughs at Jonathan, mocking his cries, like he's like screaming across on the ground. He's like, wah, wah, yes. doing the cry eyes with his hands, but I'll make it a sound, obviously. During all of this, Sienna wakes up and finds her phone, but it's completely fucking smashed. Because like I said earlier, you always got to get rid of the phones. <laughs> but the table leg with the nail is also sitting on the ground. Or nails. I shouldn't say nails. There's a lot of them in there. Yes. She picks it up and she sneaks up behind Art while he's mocking her brother. And hits him in the back and then buries the fucking thing in the back of his skull. And he gets a slash off on her gut pretty deep. But she's able to get her brother and get away. Jonathan lets her know that he thinks they used him to get her there and that they need her for something. And it has something to do with the visions of their dad had, right? Yep. We're going to get explanations, right, Josh? Uh... No. <laughs> so many seats. They run off into this creepy-ass fucking church room with robed figures sitting in pews. They're like mannequins and shit, but it kind of makes me think of, uh, is it Insidious 2? When they're in the little chapel? Yeah, there's the blankets and everybody and kind of the same thing yes, happens. Yes, totally. But anyways, they're trying to go through this room, and for some reason, they fucking split up, which seems like the worst idea at this point in time. It's always bad, but it's extra bad at this point. And um, Jonathan ends up getting grabbed by Art. He was hiding on one of the pews as one of the robed figures. Motherfucker can teleport now, apparently. Yes, totally. Remember, they were ahead of him when she, you know, got the thing in the back of his head. Ninja. Ninja vanish. Yes. Sienna then runs in as Art is violently whipping her brother with the cat of nine tails, as you uh, put it. I put improvised whip, but <laughs> slashing the shit out of him. And she tries to stop him, and she gets a slash to the face and her arm. He then goes back to hacking away at Jonathan, and she dives on top of her brother, covering him and taking the wax form over and over again, just getting her entire fucking body eviscerated, right? Yes. She eventually grabs the whip from him, and by whip, I mean it's basically a string with a bunch of surgical scissors that he stole from the coroner's office, <laughs> and, and she grabs that shit, yanks it out of his hands, and beats him down with it. Be like, beats the fuck out of him. She's an absolute badass here. She then grabs a piece of rebar off of like a broke part of wall and just slams it through his head and 
you know, it kind of looks like she killed him and he falls over. And then she turns around very Lori Strode style, like upstairs <laughs> in the house when she looks at the kids and says, you know, the boogeyman's dead to check out her brother. And then Art grabs her and he starts to choke her to death. Jonathan notices that the sawed off shotgun is duct taped to his ankle and he leans over and takes it. Right as he cocks the hammers on the uh, gun or the hammer or whatever, Art turns with this oh shit <laughs> face. Like it's the only time you ever see an oh shit face on Art. And he gets blasted by the shoddy. And he falls over as Sienna passes out. Jonathan's shaking his sister, trying to wake her up. And I really get what they're trying to do here in these next couple of scenes. Okay. But it was shot or edited poorly. Right? <laughs> Jonathan's trying to wake her up. And then we get her perspective or dream state or whatever. And it's her mom shaking her and trying to wake her up and tell her that everything's going to be okay and that she loves her. And Sienna's like, oh, my God, I never thought I was going to get to see you again. And the mom goes, oh. Your brother told you, huh? Right? And you're like, what the fuck? Yep. And then we see Jonathan yelling from across the room saying, that's not our mom. And the mom now looks like the, it's it's still the actress playing the mom, but she's the creepy clown girl at this point, right? Like with the makeup and the yellow contacts. And she gives her an evil grin, grabs Sienna's head, giving her the 30 hours of pain all at once from the crow <laughs> so that Sienna can see and feel her mom die. Yep. And she like collapses in pain from this. And then Sienna recovers from this experience and hears her brother crying off in the distance. And she runs to the sound only to find Art standing over her brother's unconscious or dead body. Cause we don't know at this point in time. And she jumps at Art who then chokes the shit out of her. She spits blood in his face and he pushes her back through the floorboards into this like additional pit basement area. Right. Yes. He then looks at the camera. Like it's like, he's looking down in the hole at her and he hawks up a loogie and spits on her. Right. <laughs> I only picked on the editing or or the writing there because it's like Jonathan's trying to wake her up and then she's seeing her mom, but then Jonathan's like the other side of the room and then Jonathan's gone. Like like what happened when there? Yeah. Right. It's a little jank. But I get what they're trying to do. But we get a better shot of of what Sienna sees in the basement, and there's this grave-shaped hole in the floor with lights around it and red light and smoke coming out of the hole and lots of voices calling her name, right? It's like the pit of hell, basically. She crawls towards it, looks in, and has this fucking terrified face. Like, oh, shit, I don't want to go in that hole. And she stands up and turns around to run, but Art is standing there and buries her fucking sword, which I don't know where he got it from. Where did the sword come from? I don't know. I don't. I, maybe Jonathan took it? I don't fucking know. Well, Jonathan was trying to take the sword when Art gave him the shot in the neck, so maybe Art took the sword at that point. I'm okay with this. And we just didn't see it? Sure. But he buries the sword into Sienna's gut. Eddie gives it like a wicked twist and she appears to die from this and falls into the hole. And then art drops the sword on the ground at his feet and walks away slowly. Mm, you shouldn't have done that. And at this point we're going to dive into the third act. It doesn't matter. Cause it's fucking magic. And there's like some teleporting. <laughs> shit. It's okay. Some team. Unicorn of shit. light from God came down and smited him. It's just like poltergeist all over again. <laughs> all right. So here in the third act, we hear the voice of the clown cafe host coming from the hole and then see art pop up in the room where Jonathan was at, who's not moving. So we still don't know if he's dead or not. And art climbs over him and starts snapping at him. Yes. And then clapping really hard, trying to get his attention and wake him up. It's kind of funny. And at some point he lifts his hand up in the air and let's go, let's it fall. And it falls like he's dead. And Art's like, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like he wasn't done yet. And he thinks he's dead. Like he looks really upset. We then cut to Sienna, who's randomly in a dunk tank full of water with this weird, 
like Freddy Krueger tentacle thing coming up from the bottom, wrapped around her ankle, holding her in. Holy shit, we're going hentai. And uh, uh, yeah, and uh, we see from her perspective the the dunk tank is on the Clown Cafe show, and all of the kids that got Tommy gunned earlier are sitting there with bullet holes in them, watching her and laughing and pointing. Right? Yes. They start to sing and dance to the song, and she struggles some more, and then we see her drown and die for real this time. The end. Man, what a fucked up flick. What a fucked up flick, but not really, because uh, what's next is even crazier and weirder. And like my notes say, crazy ass, weird, spear of God shit from the Poltergeist sequels. <laughs> right there. <laughs> However, before we get to this crazy ass shit, we have to cut back to Jonathan waking up as he notices that Art is munching <laughs> on his fucking leg and he starts to scream for his sister. At the dunk tank, we can see that the scream registered something in Sienna and makes her like jerk to life. Right. And as she hears the scream, we see the sword out on the ground. It starts to magically glow red on the ground. And then we cut back to the tank and we can see that Sienna is violently shaking in the tank, but all of her wounds are glowing the same color red and healing. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense, right? Yeah. (laughs) No. Now fully revitalized, she breaks the tentacle and climbs out of the tank, claiming her sword. And I do want to say, they shot that shit with the actress fucking going in. He's like, how long do you think you could hold it this time? And she's like, I think I got it. And she went down to the tank, held her breath, and acted it out. Yep. Every time herself. She's a badass. Fucking crazy. Yeah. I guess she did do stunt work, too, though, right? Before this. Yep. You get some crazier shit that way. Anyways, we cut back to Art, who's really eating the shit out of Jonathan's leg at this point. And he then gets impaled in the back by Sienna with a sword. And she really looks like a fucking badass Valkyrie at this point, right? Like, she's like, her face, like, she knows it, right? Yes. And uh, he tries to stagger away as she slowly stalks behind him. And she starts carving into his back with the sword, right? And he falls to his knees, and she slits his throat several times, making him start to bleed out. And then he falls over in front of her. And he has this angry, do it, bitch face that he gives her. And then he yanks his head over to the side, holding his neck up. Like, if you're going to do it, cut my fucking head off. Yep. And she pulls back the sword and he smiles like, hell yeah, this is awesome. And she takes about nine whacks into his neck, which I appreciate the realism, and cuts his fucking head off, right? She's now decapitated the monster, just like in her dad's drawing. I kind of wish she would have picked his head up, though, like in the drawing. It would have been okay. Otherwise, why didn't they just make the drawing with the head on the ground and her holding the bloody sword? Anyways, anyways, this is just a little, little nitpick there. <laughs> she embraces her brother and then notices that the clown girl is standing over Art's corpse and she looks pissed off. She then kneels down and picks up his head and puts it to her ear and she starts laughing and nodding like he's whispering something to her. She then looks at them very angrily with glowing yellow eyes, which we haven't seen before and it don't make a whole lot of sense yet. Then she holds the, the head like a baby and starts to rock it and skips and leaps okay they embrace once again fade to black credits but wait there's more (laughs) (laughs) we cut to the miles county psychiatric hospital where victoria is in her room puking into the toilet violently and we can see that the famed wrestler chris jericho is an orderly at this hospital (laughs) yup watching plan nine from outer space i'm so glad you caught that and yeah, of course I did. I, I made you watch that. I think you got mad at me for making you watch that shit. I did, Remember? man. This is so fucking terrible, and I still watch it from time to time. I know, I know. And it is bad, but it's fun to watch. Anyways, a nurse walks in talking to Chris Jericho, 
And she's actually the clown show host that sang the song. Yes. Like I said earlier. And there's this platter of guts, brains, and eyeballs that look like real guts, brains, and eyeballs on a platter. And Chris Jericho's <laughs> like, oh, it's sugar candy my wife made. It's fucking delicious, right? <laughs> Put some more goo on there. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't want to try it because she's been doing Victoria all day and it's gross, right? while they talk we can see that victoria is bleeding out badly from her vagina and starts to take the blood out and draw all over the wall including a giant heart that says art and vicky right yup her belly starts to swell like she's preggers and she starts to reach into herself and pull out an umbilical cord and placenta and all sorts of shit the Zal intercut with the nurse and the orderly chowing down on the gory-ass food and licking the blood color off their fingers. Yes. It's disgusting and great at the same time. And then the nurse starts to hum the Clown Cafe song, and Chris Jericho wants to know what that song is, and she goes, I don't know, Victoria's been humming it all day, and it's stuck in my head. There's another layer here I'm going to get to in a minute. Okay. Not in any kind of detail, because I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> but she goes over to check on Victoria in her room who is humming the song and we can hear in the hallway a guy saying fucking cunt fucking cunt that cunt that cunt that fucking cunt over and over again i assume it's david saying it eh? like it's supposed to be art because of what we're about to see it's definitely a man's voice coming out of the fucking room yeah it's not victoria but anyways the nurse looks in and she sees that the room is covered in blood and victoria's sitting in a pile of blood bent over something right so she unlocks the door and victoria looks up and she was cleaning the decapitated head of art off like a cat cleaning a kitten right like licking the blood and stuff off exactly and it's like the whole head's skin colored if you notice yep there's an umbilical cord <laughs> the head's alive it's looking the eyes are moving it's laughing victoria's eyes start to glow yellow just like the clown girls and the nurse screams final credits and the clown song once again yep <laughs> <laughs> i just explained that in i think a pretty good amount of detail yeah and uh let, let's just like let me take it back into like a checklist i wish i would have actually wrote this out <laughs> it would probably help me but art was just like a serial killer clown in the first one right we saw him blow his own brains out right yep yep. But he got up so we start the movie out he notices i don't even think i had it in my notes but his brains are coming out the back of his head yes and his eyeballs missing and he kills the coroner and tries to take the eyeball and it doesn't work when he's at the laundromat his eyes not missing anymore and his brains aren't coming on the back of his head so it's already gone but he does shove the coroner's eyeball into his own face he does but it falls out at some point and he starts playing with it and he's looking at it and it's got the like shit hanging off the back and then he just chunks it over his shoulder like fuck it oh uh, he doesn't keep the eyeball yeah, yeah it, it won't stay in so he's like fuck it and he throws it oh then i need to watch it again because i'm like 99% sure he pops the eye in after he plays with it. Yeah, he, he pops it in, but it falls out. And then he looks at it and it's like dangling. He's like, fuck this. And he chunks it. Huh. And he's still got like the hole in his eye. Either way, that wouldn't fix his brain and his back of his skull yeah. missing. Right. But it, but, but it, it doesn't matter. So that all happens, right? <laughs> and then we got Sienna. Dad had visions of something, right? <laughs> that had to do with art. And he drew it out and he bought her a sword that she kept and created this Valkyrie character to inspire her to make this Valkyrie costume for Halloween, right? Yeah. And then Art goes through all sorts of fucked up shit that really he should die a couple times, and he doesn't, which we've seen that we've seen Michael and, and Jason, right? Like, this happens, yeah, yeah. right? But he kills Sienna, and then she comes back to life in a pool of water with a random demon tentacle that we don't know where it came from. Yeah. 
and the sword glows and then heals her without being near her. There's randomly this clown girl that is like a girl that he killed, right? Like I'm guessing it's the first person he ever killed, but still that's happening. Why is that happening? Why could the laundromat guy not see him? But Jonathan and Sienna could see her, right? And then and hear and and interact with her. And then we got the yellow glowing eyes. And then why the fuck was Victoria able to birth out Art's head? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So the ending is a bridge too far. Do you know about the original ending? No, I don't. And I would you tell me. And I, I really like the ending is like the one spot where he loses me on this. Like I get the whole like. And Art's back to see in <laughs> film three, right? Like, that's what that was. Uh, that, but fuck, man. That is part of Damien's go-to thing is, like, it feels like he's throwing the kitchen sink at it and going to figure the rest out later. And, like, he really... Because he is. I hope he fucking does because he doesn't <laughs> seem to have a plan. The original right. ending was she goes in there and instead of the birthing of Art's head, Art's head starts growing out of the back of her head. And he was telling someone this, like, this is what I've written. This is what we're going to shoot. I forget who he was telling this to. I think it was, it might've been the producer. Whoever it was goes, um, I need you to stop what you're doing and watch a film called Malignant that just came out. Yeah. And like, okay. like literally that's what he was going to do. I forget which interview this was. And he's like, fuck. And then rewrote it. And that's how they got time to get Chris Jericho and all this other shit. What the fuck the birthing of the head is supposed to be. I yeah. don't know. I would have rather her body like ripped in half is art stepped out of her. Yeah. In anything that wasn't or so, something, you know, like it still wouldn't make sense, but it would be less crazy than the skin colored art head coming out. Yes. Totally agree. How'd she get knocked up? I don't know. It had to do with the little girl taking the head. Like none of it. Like there's all this weird shit. None of it makes any sense. Well, here's where Damien has painted himself into a corner in interviews. He has referred to the girl as a demon and arts guide. Yep. I can see that. I kind of got that vibe. That lends credence to your theory of this has to be the first girl that he killed. Now, let me take that a step further. How, if you take Jonathan and Sienna, and this is all spitballing because I don't think Damien even knows. If Jonathan <laughs> and Sienna can see everything and they're both a little crazy and dad went crazy and dad had artwork in his book about shit that art did, how would he even know unless he was psychic? I'm Just, just stay with me. Uh -huh. My theory, loose theory. And Damien, if you're listening, don't take my idea. When dad lost his marbles, got drunk and wrecked the car, dad killed the girl. Dad is art. That's the easiest one to jump to. So I thought they were going to make the dad be art or the boy become the new art. Yes. Or both early in the movie. But I think they shot well past that. And I think like even like your theory right now is kind of jumping a little bit too far ahead because I think the newspaper like oh i'd have to see it but i don't it specifically think says that it mentioned that it was a car accident yes they mentioned it was a car accident and one year ago they keep doing this one year ago thing just like they did with the first movie now it may be a bridge too far but i'm thinking dad goes nanners i just think brooke would have had that in her story to her boyfriend that and he killed this little girl i don't know because i thought jonathan said they didn't they never found who killed the girl i thought he said that when he was going to like the news because they knew it was art for some reason exactly that's what i'm saying is, that's why he had it in his art flip book but that's why nobody knows that it was dad because it was this whole demon thing i i'm when we get to the whole fucking healing sword thing i really think that damien's yeah. gonna go that far out there like dad's tumor caused him to see a darkness that was coming from the other side and that his daughter was going to be the only one to save everyone because of whatever 
tether there was with his family and this demon. And when he wrecked his car and killed the girl, the demon of art is what became dad. Dad wasn't art. It's a demon at this point. And that's why it it's supernatural. It can't be killed. Da, 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 nah, da. It's crazy. All of it's crazy. I mean, the healing makes it where it could go as crazy as Damien wants. Yeah, it yeah. Go. But I'm saying even even my crazy idea gives me fucking nothing for Victoria birthing right. Art's head at the end. I can't right. make that make any sense. I really hope that we don't go the route that the dad is Art. I got to be kind of pissed. <laughs> if the dad thought he was going to turn into Art and he tried to kill himself to stop it from happening so his daughter wouldn't have to fucking kill Art, okay. But I just kind of feel like Art's a crazy fucking serial killer being led by a demon at this point. I'm with you on that. And the demons granting them extra powers and this and that. I don't know why. I don't know why they're tied. They're definitely tied in some way, but you could argue that the dad got the brain tumor because of the psychic visions, right? Like there's so many ways you could go with it. But I fear you said painted into a corner, like Damien painted himself in a corner. I fear that like I saw him in an interview and I said this earlier that he wanted to give a little bit of backstory or a little bit of seeds of it because the fans deserve it. But he didn't want to like go too deep yet, yes. and I feel like he fucked up and put too much. That's going to be too hard to tie together. Yes. And the third film, I bet, is going to have some retconning or just missing shit. It's going to have to, unless he plans on letting this go into a fourth. But I seriously think he threw so much shit at it. Like I'm the joke I made earlier, watching the pitfalls of these films is like watching Damien work it out on screen. And I think that's still going on. Yeah. I don't think there's a cohesive idea other than, like he said in interviews, Art's the big bad, Sienna's the Valkyrie. It was destined for this good to defeat this evil. Yeah. And I think he's just given himself carte blanche and he's going to have to, like you said, retcon some shit or do some wild shit to bring us back to the the crazy cat lady holding art and the whole art as a child thing there and then coming back to the birth of art's head art of as a child thing there there's there could be a thread there if we don't get into the yeah. crazy it was all in a storybook or a nightmare or any of that bullshit i don't think he knows man i really don't think he knows i think he's got nuggets again because he says that's how he makes the movies like he's got these ideas for scenes and then tries to string them together and i'm okay with right. this i like I, I like the ride. I like watching this work out, but I don't, I don't think we get an answer in the third one. I think we, yeah. I think we get strung along. This is uh, a pitfall of many writers and directors, not pre-planning. Like they know they weren't going to make a one-off. Well, Damien might've thought he was going to make a one-off at the time, but like, if you have any inkling, like, I think I might could make it on this one. I feel like you should go ahead and flesh it out a bit. Right. Yeah. And a lot of writers and directors don't. One of the few that ever actually did it was George Lucas. <laughs> and I know I'm the Star Wars guy. It's a big joke. But like, you know, you're watching the 1978 original Star Wars film and Obi-Wan's like, I knew your dad in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was I, all there. He knew he was only making those three movies, but he had already basically outlined the three prequels. Like he knew the whole story about the Clone Wars and the Jedi yep. and, and you know, and this and that. Some of it he winged. Like he didn't have an, a, originally Vader wasn't, Anakin <laughs> Vader was a bad guy that killed Anakin, but you know, he got to like flesh it out a bit, but point being, he had outlined like this giant long story so that he could throw crazy seats out there and it could pay off later. Yes. If he made it right. And Damien's thrown out, honestly, a lot of really creative and amazing seeds, but they're so good. Other, like, I really don't like the birth in the head thing. 
Like I, I Damien, if you listen to this, I'm sorry. I fucking hate it. That part. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's stupid. Right. If you explain it in some cool way, it might completely change my opinion on it. But right now the two movies, that's the only thing that I'm like, it was just like too completely too far out there yes. to not make any sense. Right. Even though, like, it's funny because she like magically heals and stuff, but I feel like all of that is going to be easier to tie in together. Then Victoria randomly birthing the head. Totally. And I'm okay with the healing sword. When it got to that part in the theater, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? This makes absolutely no sense. But I'm right. I'm okay with finding out why yeah. the head birth. I mean, she's like a warrior, a holy warrior, whatever, to fight off the demons, right? Like, you could really easily explain yes. that, right? The only thing that I feel like it's salvage the baby head scene is another thing that I would normally hate in a movie and bitch about. Like a lot of the other rules he's broken that I like that he did. <laughs> that part could be a dream to me and I'd be okay. Yeah. That was supposed to just let us know that art's coming back, right? Because we have the clown girl from the clown show that was a dream playing the nurse and she's humming the song from the show. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a chance he's a brilliant motherfucking George Lucas motherfucker and he <laughs> plotted all this out, right? But normally, oh, it was a dream pisses me off to no fucking end, right? Yes. If the whole story of art was a dream, I, it would piss me off to no end. But if that one ending scene at the, the psychiatric facility was a dream of anybody, Sienna's or anybody's. Actually, Sienna waking up at the beginning of the third one from that scene. Like, we opened that scene and Sienna wakes up, and it was Sienna's nightmare, and Sienna's like, art's back. Yeah. I'm done. Like, you don't have to explain anything else. You have to, <laughs> like, like, it doesn't have to make any sense at that point because dreams don't make sense. No. That I'm okay with. My biggest hang up and why I say the dad angle is I want to know why did dad draw the, dad something that, yeah. draw the fucking murders from the first film in his art book? How did he know that? He could just have been getting psychic visions. What did Damien say his dream job is? Reboot the Friday the 13th series. Yeah. There is a psychic girl and like a dad and all sorts of shit Friday the 13th. Like it happens, True. right? Like, I mean, he could just be going that far out in it, right? <laughs> dad could have just been psychic, had a vision knew that his daughter was going to cross paths and die to art and he wanted to be ready for it. And that could just be it. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to have heat magical healing, you can have psychic visions, right? But this right here, this whole discussion is why these movies are so fascinating to me is even with all the plot holes, well, this movie, you couldn't do this with the first one. Though. No, the first one was a straight up slasher. The first one was a straight up slasher. Totally. But just the, I don't want to say fresh. It's just, <laughs> it's charm is in its, ambiguity yeah. and it's disjointedness he's got big balls though jumping from halloween one to halloween six though and went like yes <laughs> you know what i mean that's what just happened but they still they still feel like they came from the 80s like even the stuff he did and talks about in color yeah. correction and oversaturating stuff and all this stuff just to make it feel older right i haven't even seen any of that like is that just commentary or do you have like links to interviews and just commentary Okay, I want to borrow the disc because I really admire his work and I really enjoy this movie, even though I'm like picking at some crazy shit right now. But like, I want to hear that shit, right? <laughs> like, it's, I think he's got like a lot of good shit going on there. I just hope he didn't fuck himself with too many loose ends in this one. Well, the third one's coming. Yeah. It's a no brainer. It's already being shot. They've made money. It's going to happen. If Art needs to murder some podcasters <laughs> that are talking about him, by the way. Give us a call. We would love to die. Well, I'm just sorry. Please for pretend. Please lean into the fantasy part and explain to me yeah, why yeah. the healing sword and why dad knows shit. I think that is the strongest hook he's got in yeah. this to, to continue on with. I'm curious what the general fan base 
thinks about this because I remember seeing a lot of talk about Terrifier when it came out on Dreadit and stuff. And I don't remember so much talk about Terrifier 2 rather than the barf bags. And I wonder if he gained or lost more people at the fantasy element. I I think it's fantastic, but that's because I'm into that shit, right? Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing. From what little bit of reading I did, it's the gore hounds and the 80s kids love the first one. And the gore hounds and the 80s kids love the second one. But your, av- okay. your average... Like the this is what's so weird about this. These movies, especially the second one, do the kind of shit that you and I would probably both tear a movie apart for because of it not being good and storytelling. Like it, yeah. I fucking hate half of what I just said in this movie, but not in this movie. I like, but it. I want to know. <laughs> it's so weird. I want to know this world. I need closure. Like, yeah, that's what I was reading about. Was people were like, oh, it's just another torture porn movie. It's just another gore movie. No. Or people that could see past that being like, yeah, but it's shitty writing and shitty storytelling. Like, I haven't found anybody. And I'm sure they're out there. I mean, I didn't dig that much. I was looking more for interviews and shit, but like nobody's really gushing over the films except for how neat art is. And that's what the first yeah. movie was. Art is neat. Art is fresh. Art is fun. The second movie is what the fuck window has been opened? What door has been opened and where yeah. is it really going to go? And I'm terrified. I love being able to use that with this movie that it's going <laughs> to be hard to put a fucking bow on it. I'm really scared that it's just going to open up more. I really, really, really hope that he just fucking knocks it out of the park in the third one and ties it together somehow. Because I, I honestly, I want to see this guy make a studio movie. Oh, yeah. I want to see a studio give him some fucking money and a really good script and him just go with it. Um, even him writing the script with a partner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because he's like, he's. It's like George Lucas. I'm going to do it again. George Lucas is an idea guy. The original three films, he didn't write. He wrote the ideas down. He paid famous writers to write the films. Exactly. The prequel trilogies, he wrote the motherfuckers. And there's really questionable dialogue in there and stuff like that. <laughs> but the ideas are great, right? Damien might just need a co-writer, honestly, that's written a couple more screenplays than him. Yeah. Or was formally trained in writing a screenplay. And he's the idea guy and he's the boss and he's the head screenwriter. Uh, story by Damien needs to be the story by and the with a screenplay writer. and the director. I mean, how many non Lee Winnell James Wan movies do we have? Story by James Wan, screenplay by another motherfucker. Exactly, because James Wan's an idea guy, but he knew it going out the gate. Or it's not even that. It's uh with Damien, it's a matter of necessity. <laughs> <laughs> He's independently doing these, right? Yes. Like when you're independent, you have to do it all yourself, even if you know it's a weak spot, and he might. He may or may not know that. And honestly, it's not that weak. No. He had this giant plan with a no budget. I'm hoping. Like, I'm really hoping. But point being, I think he's got really cool ideas and really good visions and makes some fantastic slasher movies. And I just, I want to see more from the fucking guy. But I feel like he's going to have to tie this off before he gets big studio money. Yes. But like you said earlier, I, we we need him at the helm, bring uh, Lee Winnell in to write and K&B <laughs> to do the effects. And that's what, it, that's what it would take. Like, so the level of some, somebody like K and B to where Damien can just focus on the story, fleshing out, helping flesh out the characters and steer the ship. But, uh, yeah, I don't know where we're going to go. We, this is totally fucking different from times in the past in this podcast where we've gushed about Flanagan and, you know, we've, we've gushed about James Wan. We've gushed about, uh, oh my God, I'm an asshole. Uh, Evil Dead remake. Fetty Alvarez. Thank you. Like these, you know, these newer directors that, you know, over the past several years that like, these are the, this is the next generation, you know, taking us into the, into blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. 
this so needs to be one of these guys coming at it from the little niche, the, the little niche of eighties gorehound slasher that like, he knows that lane, but the rest of it's not fleshed yeah, out. Yeah. Like I'm, like I said earlier, it reminds me of Adam Green. Adam Green busted his nut and has kind of faded away and didn't really do much else. You still need to see the movie he did with What's His Nuts uh, Spiral. Anyways, I think Damien could be fucking awesome. I I'm yeah. just I just I need to see what the fuck happens with the next movie. I think it's neat. Like Nightmare on Elm Street franchise tried to to go like whole Dream Demon, you know, all this magical route, and they really shit the bed. Yeah. on it, right? I feel like he went that big, like right out the gate. Yeah. <laughs> I just hope he, he pre-planned it, like I said. And man, you got to remember Fetty Alvarez's name because he's like the only director that's ever like tweeted about it. I know I could see letters when I closed my eyes, but I couldn't think of his fucking name. <laughs> it is late at night for us and drunky time for you. And four hours of recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking at here. You don't have to edit it, so shut the fuck up. But that's it for the Terrifier episode. So you guys are going to have to tune in on the next episode where we cover David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy. Uh-oh. Evil dies tonight! As usual, guys, thanks for downloading the show and spreading the word. Please do not forget to rate and review us online, and please send us comments, questions, and suggestions to our email, sbspodcast at gmail.com. We would also love it if you could follow our Twitter and Instagram, both at sbspodcast. See you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening. makes a lot of noise all the way from Miles County. Please welcome our 